This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that would never run on the pitch for an offside goal. <laughs> Especially when wearing flares. Anyway, that's another story oh, we can't oh, go into for legal reasons. Uh, courtesy of the Blue Squirrel. Now, it was a frustrating match on Sunday as Chelsea drew with Arsenal. Uh, even more so for uh, Alvaro Morata, who got no service and no support from Michael Oliver. Now, while Oliver's decisions wound up the Chelsea faithful for most of the match, there can be little argument with Luiz's red card. Or can there? Uh, Chelsea's third red card in five matches this season. Uh, now, will Chelsea's ill-discipline cost us? Do Arsenal deserve some credit for stifling us and avoiding their usual defeat? Or should Conte shoulder some of the blame? Ultimately, neither side deserved to win or lose. A point probably suits both. Our disappointment, I think, has more to do with the fact that we've become somewhat used to giving the arse a smacking at the bridge over recent years. Anyway, I'm Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is Oliver's Army. And it is number 397, 400th show approaches. Now, on the show tonight, I've got a very big treat for you lovely people out there uh, who are listening live on Mixler, and of course those of you who are, have downloaded the podcast, but uh, I shall reveal it all in a minute after I say hello to my uh, partner in crime, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. It is joyous to be here, Chidge, as always. Basking always in lovely. Your, basking in the... Uh, the shark-like qualities that you have. No, that's Ooh. wrong. It just Ooh. went together. No, basking in your energy. Yeah. Whatever. I'm a basking case. Pervy. 
does a bit. Whatever. It yeah. does. It's great to be here. I'll shut up. Pretend that didn't happen. Um, great to be here. Okay. It, <laughs> it never happened, Jonathan. It never no. happened. But uh, hopefully <laughs> something will happen. <laughs> Something happened. will happen tonight because we have reunited the Chelsea fancast smut buddies, <laughs> beloved of so many of our listeners, apart from one or two who write and complain. But I won't. That, that didn't happen either. Um, but I'm delighted to say, after his, <laughs> after his, uh, after, shush, shush, shush. It's we're, we're three minutes in, not even three minutes in, and it's already descended into chaos. This is what I like. Chitch, chitch, I kind of feel chitch, like Chris Tarrant. She said, "Fuck know. I, I, I feel. I feel like. I feel like Chris Tarrant on Tiswas. This is what we want. This is what we want. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, he's back from his sojourn in the south of France. Uh, he is a rock star. His name is Tony Glover. <laughs> oh, he wishes bonsoir, mon ami. Bonsoir, mon ami. Um, yes, it's good How to are be back. And, uh, I am actually, seriously, the first time ever in my life, I stood there at Agd Station and thought, I've had enough now. I've had a good holiday. It's time to go home. Time to get back to reality. And it all went swimmingly until I got to the hellhole that is Waterloo Station. Please dismantle it brick by brick and build something else there. You know, God awful Goodness place. gracious me. Goodness yes. gracious me. Uh, well, it's good to have you back with us, Tony. I've been looking forward to this. And we've, we've had you on in, uh, this season so far. We've also had Alex on this season so far, but we've not had the two of you together. But Alex, it's lovely to have you on the show as always. No, I feel like Solomon Kalou. I feel like <laughs> I want to run in one direction, but my brain and my feet aren't coordinated and I end up on the floor. Was oh, it you dear. that posted up the, uh, the the clip from the Wolf of Wall Street of you and today? Um, it's the clip of Leonardo DiCaprio crawling across the floor. To yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that me is, on my training. That is such a brilliant, yeah, such a brilliant bit. That is honestly, I need to nick that and use that often. <laughs> okay, yeah, right, okay. you lot. Uh, have you had enough of a love in yet? Is that enough? Can we carry uh, on the show be now? Any more to come? We'd like to stretch this out over yeah, yeah. you know a couple. Oh, uh, Chidge has broken the first and the most golden rule of broadcasting. And what is that, Jonathan? He's let, uh, left his mobile phone on. Yes. Oh, Chuckle yes. said he's got his Bluetooth on and loud for sweary popping. Great. Well, actually, as we carry on with the show, I'm delighted to say that Nicky Kilduff has mentioned, is this the second Elvis uh, Costello-named show in recent weeks? And he would be right. He would be right. Because we had Ooh. I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea the other week, and now uh -huh. we've got Oliver's Army. Oh, clever. So there you go. Yeah. Well observed. Brilliant. Is there a Brilliant. referee called Allison? Michael Allison? Am, am, am I imagining in that? Uh, my aim is true. That, there we go. That's that's crying out for one soon, isn't it? Anyway, let's get on with the show. Um, on the show tonight, we will ask whether Michael Oliver was biased, incompetent, or just inconsistent. And are Chelsea's are undisciplined? And will it cost them, or more to the point, us? In part two, we ask whether Conte got the team selection right. Uh, did he? Uh, did did he? Well, did we and he underestimate Arsenal? And have they learned how to play us? Uh, in part three, we look back at the Champions League game against Carabag last week, and we look forward to the League Cup tie against Nottingham Forest on Wednesday, and the Premier League match against Stoke next Saturday. Uh, and in part four, we've got some top, top, top emails from Australia, California, and that place from so so far away, Putney. There you go. It's all good stuff. Right, oh, now don't, don't forget mention you... Putney. Don't mention Putney. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock uh, by going to Mixler. 
which is for the uninitiated, Mixler, mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. Uh, you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show, and I will completely ignore it because I'm too busy doing the show. But there you go. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, I know. There's loads of people in Mixler, of course. Uh, loads of people in there. Good to see everybody in there as always. We've got Chips Chiverton, Bridgewater Blue. Oh, I thought I'd turn my phone down. Absolutely. I know. Sorry about that. It's so unprofessional. Benny the Blue, Chuckles Cabby, who's yeah. got a lawyer on board listening too. Hello to the lawyer. I promise that we we'll try not to say anything illegal, slanderous, or anything that might get me or the others locked up. We will try Delicious. hard. Andy Silverman, hello. Uh, we've got Byron, oh, yeah. CFC. Oh, there's so many, so many that I can't read them all out, but it's good to have you all in there. We love having you in there. I saw our main scores kept into the Elvis Costello thing with Victor Moses can't stand up for falling down. Yeah. There you go. And Chip Chip said pump it up. Who's Elvis yep. Costello? Yeah. Oh, oh, God, no. Oh, oh, Alex. Oh, Alex. That, on that, that bombshell, on that bombshell, yes. I'm going to go to the break and then when we come back, we'll be talking football. <laughs> I think the way to do this really is, it, 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 I mean, you know, I know I've called it Oliver's Army, so I think we ought to really start with that. I mean, uh, I'm going to start with you, Jonathan, because you are kind of our resident uh, referee in a sense. You know, you've got yes, the badges yes. and all of that. Yes. My own view on this, actually, is that he is not incompetent or biased, but he is inconsistent. But what, what say you? Um, well, I'm dis- I was disappointed with him because he was my favourite referee after the uh, the excellence of the Man United decision last year. It was sending off, um, what's his face, fish face for two years. Herrera. When he, he, when he warned them all and then Herrera then barged Hazard over and uh, uh, and he, he, he sent him off, rightly so, because he already had a yellow. But um, So I started off thinking, oh, this is going to be OK. We've got Oliver. But um, I, I, I don't think I don't think Maratta helped himself. He may have been pushed over a bit. But once you get that thing in your head as a ref that somebody is attempting to con you, you tend not to be very well disposed towards them. And uh, and I felt the same with Murata, who uh, had a couple of brusque exchanges and got um, knocked over. And OK, they could possibly have been fouls. But then he did one where um, he was just beaten to the ball by... Um, Koscielny. I have to say, Koscielny was very, very good indeed yesterday. It was top class. Um, and uh, he got, um, he, he then sort of just seemed to look as if he was falling over all the time. And then he got fouled properly, but by then Oliver was fed up with it. And he did do that inconsistent thing, didn't he, of, um, uh, of, of then missing something pretty obvious on Hazard when Hazard came on. I mean, I think they're all inept with Hazard because Hazard is such a different class player to everybody else. And just um, um, is so competent at going round people, and then is is hit and nudged, and it should be a foul, and they don't get it. The refs, they don't see it. They think he's—I mm. um, don't know what they think. They, they should be booking if they think he's dive. But uh, uh, yes, yeah, so there was one of those. So yes, he then lapsed into um, a kind of dreadful um, inconsistency because uh, I think he got fed up um, because all mm. the crowd were then on his back. Um, 
So, I, I, you know, I've read some reports in the paper saying they thought he had a good game, and and on Twitter from uh, from um, ob- trying to objective referees thought he got he did pretty well. It being a very difficult game because it was very it was very intense and uh, and combative. So, um, and the answer to your question, I don't I agree with you. He's not incompetent. Uh, he's not biased. Um, he just he just missed a few. And by the end, I think he thought, I'm not going to give anything to Maratta because he's clearly uh, um, mucking about. And in which case, he did book him. He booked him for the chat. But he should really have booked him for diving if that was the case. But yeah. that's inconsistent as well, isn't it? That's so. a good, that, yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point, mate. And quite level-headed, I think. Uh, let me go to somebody who is, who is not level-headed when it comes to the uh, issue of referees, and he, who, who in fact hates them. And in her wonderful, wonderful The Girl Who Likes Balls blog, uh, which was up on the fan cast this morning, uh, she always reserves a special uh, paragraph or three for the referee, don't you, Alex? I do. I never. Do you know what? I started off in my notes said he's been brilliant first half. I've never seen a referee go from so good to so wank in one game in all my life. Like from getting everything right and being consistent. And my favourite thing is not even noticing that they're there in the first half. So by the end of the second half, I wanted to cave his skull in with a brick. He just got worse and worse as the game went on. It's like the inconsistency, as you say. He's not the worst referee, but Jesus Christ, man. If you've got a plan, stick to it. Don't just... It's like like you say, he just gave up. I think half of Maratta's weren't fouls, but the other half, I think I just put that he obviously can't stand the fact that Maratta's taller, richer and better looking than him because why he took such an instant dislike to him was just, it looked really petty from the stands. It looked just like, I'm not giving you anything because I'm in charge and I don't have to. Dick. Mm. What's a good impression? Mm. It's interesting. Perfect. I mean, the, <laughs> thing, the, th- the thing is, Tony, I mean, you know, look, I, I, I want to make this straight because I, I tend to get a bit of grief when I moan about referees and, and I'm not trying to mitigate our, uh, our, you know, dropping points or whatever or not beating Arsenal because of the referee. But we need to discuss it because it's a big feature of the game. And I think most of it really centred around... Uh, Louise, didn't it, mate? I mean, the first was getting a yellow for kicking uh, Well, I think he mistook Koscielny's face for the ball, which, to be fair, mate, is an easy mistake to make. Uh, And he got a yellow for that. He got a yellow for that. When, actually, to be fair, he might have got a red, given what happened to Sadio Mane the other week. And then, of course, there was the, uh, you know, the red card uh, on... Kolask, whatever his name is, Kolasinic, oh, whatever his name is. Yeah, but I mean, you know, to be honest, to be honest, Tony, where I, from where I was sitting, and my immediate reaction was that it, it, it was a fifty-fifty. But I was a long way away, and and I don't mind people getting clattered. So I think I, I should be uh, recused from talking about it. But I'd, li- I'd like to hear what you have to say. Um, well, I've, I had the joy of watching it on the TV, um, and ah. I've watched it a couple of times, obviously because I was, you know, so wrecked from uh, the stag weekend, and but. In my view, yeah, it was a red. And on a couple of other, just to strengthen it, all the criteria, one, uh, Louise was wearing a blue shirt, and we don't get 50-50s, not in our favour. And that seems to be a, a, a bit of a mark for us this season. Um, when you think you said three, three reds since the beginning of the season, but that's three consecutive reds against Arsenal as well. Uh, mm. Louise, who has been a, a pretty good model of... Um, uh, of calm and and everything since he's since he's returned, um, I think he was a bit agitated. I think he probably was trying to get something back. I think a straight red was a bit much. He could he, he was already on a yellow. I think Oliver could have um, exercised a little bit of discretion and gone for a second yellow. 
still Can a red. I d- also, as yeah, well, we didn't seem to take into consideration the fact that Kolasinic had been running around the pitch for nearly 90 minutes, kicking everyone, elbowing everyone, shoving <laughs> everyone off the ball. Do you remember when Willian left him on his ass? He fell over. And the first yeah. thing he did was get up and two-handed shove him over and yeah. give away a free kick. He'd been a petulant <laughs> cop yeah. the whole I'm... game. Can I, can, I, can I chip in here? Yeah, of course you can. Go, yeah. mm. It happened right below me. Exactly below me where it happened. And he played the ball. and Because we heard the ball noise between the two of them. And his foot skipped off the top of the ball and went into uh, the bloke's leg. And that was our immediate reaction to that. Because we all heard ball noise. So the referee would have heard ball noise as well. And then Wenger came on and said he'd heard a sickening thud of boot on shin pad. It was complete nah, bollocks. bollocks. That and was Wenger's self-respect hitting rock bottom. Absolutely. <laughs> but in fact, so if you look, if you look at the, the, the slow motion playbacks of it, he flicks the ball, he hits the ball and uh, and it goes off. So I don't, his intent was not actually to hit, to fall no, but... through and hit him. But from a, uh, from a, uh, what's it, excessive force is what they talk about. Yeah. That was, that was, um, that was going to be the case because they all look for it. All referees look for it. Um, and, uh, and he did, and he did ultimately hit him in the leg. So he's, I don't he, think he's got, he doesn't have yeah. a leg to stand on, but as the overhead kick, um, I think, I mean, they had debated this on match of the day last night and yeah. right saying, Oh no, it has to be. I think if you, uh, say that's dangerous play and a red, you are effectively stopping overhead kicks. Yes. He, his mm. eyes, well, I was at the complete other end of the pitch and even from there you could see he was only interested in the Absolutely. ball. All he was Absolutely. thinking was ball, goal, now. He wasn't trying to hurt anyone or be reckless. Well, he, you, know, you, you could not... You could argue, Alex, that that Koscielny could have got a yellow card for heading for heading uh, David Luiz's foot and trying to break his metatarsal. We've seen this before, <laughs> didn't we? Red or a yellow, just for you looking know. like his mother crossbred with a Velociraptor, but that's another. Yeah. I mean, lest, lest we forget, <laughs> lest we forget Johnny Evans's two-footed tackle into Drogba's chest, which got Drogba a booking. You know, and we see these things week in, week out. You know, I'll, I'll only say this. Michael Oliver, I think, is one of the more um, uh, uh, referees with potential. You know, uh, he, he's always been reasonably fair minded. I think he's not one of those. He's not a Pawson, for God's sake. But then, you know, very few idiots and morons in the world are. But um, in my if just in his defence, I think he was inconsistent. I think Alex is right. He, he did seem to lose lose focus on the game or whatever. Uh, Louise's overhead kick, you know, at the end of the day, Louise hasn't been a particularly dirty player. We all know he's got a bit of a flashpoint on him. He's a very passionate player or whatever. Um, intent, I'll keep hearing this thing about intent, but the referees, intent's got nothing to do with it. You know, you can, you, if you go in, you know, two seconds late and snap someone's a, a, a ankle in half, but you didn't mean it, that's no good, is it? It's still a foul. So, you know, I'm not too unhappy with the, the overall decision, uh, based on that, and I think Michael Oliver potentially you just maybe got overawed by it. I mean, you know, I didn't think it was a good game. I, I thought it was a pretty. You, you summed it up. I think it was two teams that didn't seem to really want to win. I think you said that earlier on, Chidge. It just well, not like... want to lose. I think more to the oh, point. Oh yeah, and 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 uh, do you know you haven't even you, this? It's not scripted, but I think you know I no, think these lunchtime no. games are generally shit for that sort of thing. Anyway, they don't yeah, encourage great games. Listen, mate, actually, it's kind of a good segue, really, because um, it wouldn't have been a draw, of course, had uh, the referee, or more, or should we should we perhaps say the assistant referee, get one decision absolutely spot on, and that was the uh, 
the offside, Alex, wasn't it? Um, were you? Uh, I, I was so cross when that went in. You know, well, I, 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 on I, basically, the I blurted out. I blurted out a few obscenities, and then I realised that it had been flagged off, and so I was completely up again. And then I saw that absolute pillock running on the pitch, celebrating a goal that wasn't, and my my day was almost complete, Alex. Oh, my day was even more complete when I heard. Uh, so Blue Squirrel has since revealed that um, when he got nicked, um, had he not been such an ass when they nicked him, they may not have like searched him but when they searched him they kind of found something else on him that means that the football banning order might be the least of his concerns <laughs> um, which means that actually not only um did he celebrate a, a non-goal not only did he get banned from football by running on the pitch but he's like he needs a good lawyer put it that way he needs a solicitor <laughs> and a good one. but um yeah what a twat no from so I sit on the corner um above where the players families sit and that so we could see the Arsenal players peeling off and there were at least like five of them offside which wouldn't have put it past me to see a referee miss that but no it was quite funny <sighs> celebrated it like idiots mm. Um, yeah, it was it was funny. It was. I mean, everybody knows. Everybody knows that it's a criminal offence to wear flares. So he deserves everything he gets. Um, Jonathan, <laughs> I just want to wrap this up. I just want to wrap this up, really, because yes, yes. you know, I think we've been, I think we've been quite even-handed on the whole uh, Oliver and, and the red card issue and all of that. Um, but there's been a lot of talk uh, around today. A few blogs have been written about you know, w- with three three red cards in the last. Uh, five games we've had three against the goons of course in the last three times we played them you know are we are we really ill-disciplined is that really an issue I mean I'd be honest with you mate I see a little bit of petulance and flounciness occasionally I mean Morata and Fabregas I think are a bit guilty of that but are we really ill-disciplined um it's it's only just happened now hasn't it this this uh this uh proliferation of um of being of sendings off. I mean, we're not otherwise. We're as competitive as every other team, and we get um, similar number of, uh, of yellow cards. Um, I just think we've been. Uh, it, I, I, the question of being unlucky. It just seems to have happened, doesn't it? Really, um, for whatever reason, I think uh, I think Luis was pissed off as well because he was being dragged back by Sanchez. He'd, um, yeah, he'd lost his rag with Sanchez. And he's lost his rag with Sanchez. And in a sense, really, uh, ref should have given a foul already for that. Um, and he missed that opportunity to do that. Uh, um, but no, I, 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 it just happens, doesn't it? I think Conte said it. He said he's played in games where there have been uh, an abundance of red cards and he, it, it goes one way and it doesn't go the other. Um, uh, I mean, you've analysed them. We had the madness of uh, of Moses flinging himself to the ground in the cup final. That was one of them. Um, we had uh, uh, the Burnley game where everybody was, you know, Cahill had a, a kind of it was the, soft, the softest the softest dismissal when it came to actually following through that I think I've ever seen. And we were unfortunate that it was Pawson. And, and as we've just established, other referees would just have booked him and given him a wigging. Um, but uh, what else? Is, what, what's the other one we've had this season? What was the other sending off we've had? Well, Fabregas. That's the, that's the three, isn't it? And Fabregas, yeah, Fabregas was the same one. And that was just because he, he, he you know, he foolishly, he, he went through. I think if Fabregas hadn't been sent off, Alonso would have been sent off. Because once again, that was Pawson. That was Pawson just being, but that was, being was... mad, you know. So I, I don't think yeah. so. The answer changes no. I don't think we're all disciplined. At all. No, I mean, like, Fabregas's as well was down to that ridiculous yellow he gave him for back chat off. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. fouled three times and then pulled him up for a foul and Fabregas just told him to 
piss off, didn't he? He clapped, didn't he? He clapped. Yeah, yeah. Trouble. But you don't do that. But you know, you in, a, in a sense, in in a sense that it, that I mean, in a sense that is ill discipline because, I, I, as I said a minute ago, I've seen a bit of flountiness and petulance, and I think it's clear. Okay, you know, under extreme provocation of massively inconsistent refereeing, but I have seen Chelsea players reacting to it. Morata, you know, got booked for gobbing off because he'd had enough. Well, well, it's a bit chicken and egg, isn't it? But surely, surely they just have, surely, surely they just have to get on with it, you know. Otherwise, they're going to get carded by these idiots, and and that's going to cost us. I mean, go on. Yeah, I think he has extenuating circumstances for Morata because he is getting to he's getting to know the game over here a bit mm. more. So uh, I'm, I think that's. Um, uh, I was to say, I'd rather the referee had carded him for 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 simulation rather than mm. chatting. But, uh, I think in Spain, if you booked a player every time he sarcastically applauded the referee or gobbed off, there'd be yeah, no one left yeah. on the pitch, would there? Absolutely, absolutely. But so he's getting well, you know, as, ben, as, as Benny the Blue and Ray Wilkins would say, he needs to stay on your feet, son. Tony, let's wrap this up, because we're going to be without Louise. Uh, I think it's straight red, wasn't it? So it'll be three games, mm. so he's going to miss Forest, Stoke and City. Um, are we going to miss him, or do you think that's a real opportunity for uh, who I think is a very good-looking player, and that's uh, that Christensen to impress? I don't think Christensen needs to impress. I think he's already done it. Um, mm. You know, this is a good guy point. that's played two two years in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, he's arguably a, a, a league equal in terms of um, you know the, the the kind of stronger type of football as the, as the Premier League. Um, and when he came on against Burnley, he, you know, as I think Clayton said at the time, he walked into a, an absolute car crash of a game, didn't he? But mm. after a, an initial five-minute period where you might have thought he was a bit nervous, you know, he, he fitted in perfectly. And I think we've 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 got a gem there. I really do. Yeah. And I think actually one of the things we have got is some competition for places. And no doubt we're going to talk about some of the crap later on about Kale or whatever. I don't know. But the fact is, in those positions at the back, now you've got old. Um, Frank Zappacosta in there, um, <laughs> uh, vying for a position. Uh, and he's, I've known no one's just calling him Frank Zappa, I don't know, but I'm just going to. I, I did. Him, I did. Did you? Oh, well, I might just call him Moon Unit. If for anybody who knows Frank Zappa, will know that's his daughter's name. But um, we're going you know, to have a song about him, Tony, called yeah. Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. <laughs> he, he looked. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll talk about Carabag later, but what, you know, there's a, if there's a bloke that's ever came on and looked more. Um, like he wanted to really play for Chelsea, like a five-year-old who's been picked for the team for the first time. It was old Frankie Zappa. Um, but no, Christensen, I think he's fantastic. You, you don't play for two years in the Bundesliga um, uh, and and be there pretty much every team, be one of the first on the team sheet uh, if you're shit. That's the end of it, right? This guy is a young lad. Uh, I think he's got a massive future. And I think we're now in a position where we can be fairly interchangeable around those back five positions. And I think that's great. We haven't had that real strength in depth for, for, for some time. You know, so I, I wouldn't be worried about losing any one of our current set of, um, of defenders because I think we've got plenty of cover there. There you go. Mm, that's a, that's, a, that's oh, a, an optimistic bloody view well, for me, that is. I... I well, I agree, I agree entirely with that. Now, listen, we're going to go to part two in a second when we're going to talk much more about the game, having got the controversy out of the way. Uh, but before we do that, um, I just want to remind everybody, I'm presuming that this this is still live and direct, the old uh, uh, Alan Gavaran, uh, you know, rootless, at Rootless Cosmo on Twitter, who's doing this capital, he's walking around the capital ring to raise money 
uh, for Down to Earth uh, at QSA to tackle uh, funeral poverty. So uh, if you want to join in and uh, donate to the lovely Alan, who's a great uh, supporter of this show, listens every week, as we know, uh, go to www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Alan hyphen Gavaran, G-A-V-U-R-I-N, to donate. Um, he normally then tweets it out uh, after the show uh, to Chelsea Fancast, and then I... I retweet it so that uh, you lot get the message. He's a lovely guy. Do it. Um, also, uh, many of you may well have, uh, uh, well, I mean, you've heard me talking about it on the show for the last few weeks, but we, we recently kind of subscribed to something called Patreon, uh, which is really a vehicle by which people who like what we do and think that it's, you know, not too rubbish uh, and they can kind of support us in a more concrete way. Uh, by donating um, a little bit of moolah in our direction, which kind of helps pay for the running costs and uh, my beer allowance in the but no, it doesn't. It doesn't pay for my beer allowance, honestly. Um, but as I said, it's it's a nice way for you to show your support, and I'm absolutely delighted that so many have done so, uh, including Luke Hatherley, Ramsey Shamus, David Fusco, Johnny Noha, Andrew Whelan, Stefan Bregg, Philip Cavalbine, Hoiger. Chain, Alex Ambrosiak, who suggested to me in the first place, Nikki Davidson and Rick Hines. Thank you so much for uh, doing, you know, basically uh, saying that you're going to donate a, a dollar or five um, every month to the show. It's really, really sweet of you to do that. And as I said, sometime in the near, not too dim and distant future, I shall try and think of some premium content or fun things to do to reward the people who have uh, signed up to Patreon. So there you go. So watch this space. Uh, we will get on that now. After the break, uh, we're going to ask whether Antonio Conte got the team selection right and did we underestimate Arsenal and have they actually uh, finally learnt how to play us? We will see you in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stamford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and I'm delighted, like you wouldn't believe, to be sharing the airwaves with, as ever, Mr Jonathan Kidd. Oh, thank you, Chidge. The wonderful, beautiful, geniusly talented Alex Churchill, also known as the girl who likes balls. And hungover. Oh, sympathy for Alex. Well, we and of course, last, last but by no means least, the effusive, beneficent, wondrous human being that is Mr. Tony, the podding shed glover. <laughs> Have I just walked into the good old days and you're doing a Leonard Sachs impression? Yeah. There's one for, Do you know what? Is this... Teenagers. <laughs> well, you say that, you know, but the, I, I heard Leonard Sachs's name mentioned on uh, on on the Hawksby and Jacobs show on Talk Sport this afternoon. Bizarre. Oh, me. Lord. So there you go. Good evening. Anyway, anyway yeah. uh, we, we digress. It's yes, lovely to have you, Tony, as always. Now, um, the first thing I want to do in this here bit, really, is to uh, discuss uh, whether... Um, Conte got the team selection right. I'll be really honest with you. I mean, I wrote a blog. Possibly, if it was, you know, Yahoo, then it never, never actually got seen by anybody, and they didn't post it up. But, um, and I wrote something somewhere, basically saying that I would be in favour of uh, starting Kante and Bakayoko uh, together because I thought that, 
you know, the opportunity to bully Arsenal is something that I, I, I love and, and delight in. Um, and I would have pushed Fabregas up further if Hazard wasn't deemed fit enough, or ready enough to play yet. So I think that's the, I mean, you know, and all around the ground during the game, everybody's saying, oh, you know, we're getting getting bullied in midfield, oh, getting harassed, suppressed, we need Bakayoko. And he came on, but but Tony, would you would you have started Bakayoko first? Did did uh, you know? Did Tony drop a bollock there, perhaps? No, I wouldn't have done actually. Uh, you know, wouldn't we've you? Been... Well, there you go. Just well, goes to well, show, doesn't it? On the on the basis that um, you know, uh, Fabregas has had his magic hat sang, uh, song done quite a few times this season. Um, he was uh, an absolute. You think that you know, he played a lot of bit parts in it last season? Didn't complain. Didn't go to the press. Wasn't you know uh, uh, leaking disinformation out about how unhappy he was or anything like that. Uh, and I think he was worth a start. I, I genuinely do. I mean, I think when he's not there, uh, had you know had he start had he not started and Bakayoko had not had, had a good thirty forty minutes, everyone would have been saying, "Well, we should have started with Fabregas, shouldn't we?" Um, none of us are ever happy, particularly. I I, I thought possibly Rudiger and, and some of the players deserves more considering recent you know things but he's got a squad to balance here um he's got to try and keep people happy and um i think you know jonathan has been a jonathan's been a big advocate of this in the past you know he sees these players every single day we don't you know we don't we don't know how they are or how they're reacting in 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 training and that sort of stuff so you know i was quite happy with 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 the start from Fabregas, um, did we do the right thing? Well, maybe we could have brought on Bakayoko earlier on for sure, um, you know. Um, but uh, I think there's something in what you're going to talk about later on about the fact that you know Wenger does seem to have a little bit of a an Indian sign over Conte. I think. Um, well, we'll than, get to that in a minute. He, but, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, for me, uh, Bakayoko is a, a fabulous player. But he is he 100 percent fit. You know, he, he had a pretty serious knee injury mm. and. Um, you know, maybe it was a bit of balancing here. You know, maybe at the end of the day, Conte thought, well, I'll start the Fabregas and get back a Yoko on later. Um, I think he was damned if he did and damned if he didn't, mate. I, d- I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I, I felt that actually, I think, you know, well, you know, we're not Antonio Conte. None of us are good enough to be managers. And, 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 and you know, who are we to criticise him in a way? And your point that Tony made is... is about we don't see what happens to training is very valid, but I I I do think I think that uh, he perhaps expected the expected from Arsenal, and and I also wrote about this about the fact that you know I I was absolutely sure that what would happen is that Arsenal would turn up and that they would be completely ill-disciplined in midfield. They'd go walk about. They'll leave huge holes for us to exploit, and as and as always, it would be a bit of a stuffing for Arsenal. And I think Conte expected that too. And I think perhaps the fact that well, I didn't realise this, but Ozil was a fact was in fact injured, not not selected. But Sanchez was left on the on the bench. And you know, Wenger's approach, which we'll get onto in a minute, was totally, totally uh different from what it's always been against playing Chelsea at Stanford Bridge. So I, I, what I'm really trying to say, JK, is that I think perhaps criticism of Conte is a bit unfair because I think most of us would have expected that to play out in the, in the way that it normally has. Well, it almost worked, didn't it, from the beginning? If Pedro had scored when he had that shot on goal, yeah, at the, which he was the same the same position he was in when he scored the screamer against Carabag, uh, and he hit a really tame shot, and then uh, he was then put through one on one with uh, with Czech, um, and Koscielny got back, but it was just after when he'd been clattered the injury, so he wasn't speedy enough. He would have been. Um, 
justified, wouldn't you? You'd have been vindicated because we'd have been one up and it wouldn't have mattered really how we'd played or what structure we had because we'd have scored two, we'd have scored two goals mm. if, if Pedro had been in the position to do that because they didn't have a shot up until that moment. It was after that they suddenly started getting back into the game. But I found, I found the whole thing very weird, I have to say, and it struck me it was almost like an experiment because... Um, he, he, he reverted to a team that played last year without Hazard and he played Willian up front and um, Willian was terrible for the whole game till he was substituted and didn't seem interested and uh, and had a kind of pained look even when he was substituted as if to say I haven't really enjoyed myself and he, he wasn't he wasn't up for it he wasn't actually um, tracking back and he wasn't uh, closing people down and I think he tried he tried there was a weirdness about the setup. Because at one stage, or more than one stage, several stages, he was playing 3-2-5. And I, I'm bemused that everybody in the presses or even on Twitter has said he was playing 3-5-2. Well, the number of occasions there were two people in midfield and five up front. I've never seen this before with Conte, all in a line. And I was thinking, right, he specifically worked on this in training. This is something he's trying to get them to do. And I know he's trying to get them to play um, three five two because that's been that's been worked out. He's trying to he's trying to get them to 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 do this new method um, bec- uh, because that has been been fed to us by a um, variety of sources all over the place. He's he's uh, he's he's trying to find a different way of of playing. Um, so he's got another option. But I think they weren't very good at it, and they were supposed to have scored early. And he then didn't bring back a Yoko one because. All of us would have expected him to start with Bakayoko. Absolutely right, Chidge, to give to have some power in midfield. Instead of which, we had a, um, a, you know, a lightweight Fabregas, as always. If he'd played the same way as they'd played Carabag, you'd have had that powerful midfield with Fabregas playing further forward. So I was bemused that we didn't play the same um, tactics we'd played against Carabag. I thought that would be consistent. And my worry with this team is that far from thinking that he's going to He's going to play the same team all the time. Now he's got these alternatives to what we had last year. I just really hope we don't go down Tinkerman world. Because for me, mm. he should have played the same yeah. the same team that, that trounced Carabag. Because I thought, for that for consistency, I thought we were fabulous. And I loved the way, I loved the balance. And, and, and you can't not play Bakayoko. He must be fit by now. For God's sake, he came on and looked absolutely fantastic. And he was fantastic in the Carabag game. And he is an absolute, he's a monster. And, he, and you know, if we played that and he was consistent, he kept the same team. Fair enough. So I think he's experimenting still. And I think he's trying people. And I'm afraid, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I love Cahill. I think he's wonderful. But on current, on current ability yeah. and Rudiger. ball playing, ball well. Uh, weirdly, um, the person who has more stats for actually ball playing is Christensen so from the Bundesliga. Okay. Is actually getting getting the ball out, and as well as being a really competent um, centre half, from actually playing the ball to feet without um, you know and, and looking looking comfortable. Which I'm afraid Gary Cahill has never uh, been. I've got to jump in. I've got to jump yeah. in. You need yeah. to look at Gary Hayes' feed today. His thread. Where he's put Cahill statistics against everyone else in our in our yeah. in our back three, and Cahill comes out top, and oh, we did really? see the goal. How, how interesting! He, he comes out in all the headed clearances, the passes. No, no, no. We, yeah, we but, yeah, see the goal. Yeah. So I, I can't have that argument that that in some reason or another starting Cahill was bad. We never conceded. No, no, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying that he's not comfortable with the ball being played to him, in particular uh, from that position at, um, from the on the goal line. 
you know, when, when it's supposed to be played around. He isn't comfortable with that um, in the way that, that uh, well, at the moment, perhaps it's even this season. He's not looking when he comes in. All right, he hasn't played for three games. Fair enough. But uh, I just think it's a, it's a problem. I think rather than it being a positive at the moment, it's a problem. So you know, you know, you know one of the things it's in, it's interesting to hear what you have to say about Christensen J.K. because I actually had a, had a pint with Pablo in the pub before the match, and you know I was raving about uh, Christensen, and he made the point um, that actually what he he thinks that Christensen's you know a very good ball playing uh, you know centre back if you want. But he thinks he's a little bit lightweight still. Of course, he is still young, and he doesn't think that he can quite challenge, uh, you know, like a hairy yeah, centre centre yeah, back does. Yeah. And yeah, I thought that be. was quite perceptive, actually. You know. Anyway, yeah. look, move, moving it on because it, 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 if I ask Alex to talk, she might stop making a racket with her keyboard. Um, it's all right us talking about you know this, that, and the other about what we might have done wrong. And, and it's something that we do say on the show occasionally, Alex, is that it, you know we do get a bit kind of one-eyed and it's all about Chelsea. But I've got to say, you know, much as it pains me to do it, but I think a bit of praise has to be heaped upon Wenger and Arsenal because, you know, that's the most tactically disciplined I've ever seen them play against us. They pressed us all over the place. They were physical and energetic. Um, and it kind of made me think, I wonder if finally he, he might have learned how to play us. Don't give him that much credit. He's watched a video of Mourinho playing us and copied him. That's what he's done. <laughs> and it's taken him 12 years to get around. <laughs> really oh, doesn't deserve that much credit. I don't know. I just, going back to the team selection, I don't think that, um, I don't have a problem with it because Conte gets paid 8 million a year while I have to ration my gin stash. But um, it wasn't, for me, Fabregas just was non-existent yesterday. And he's been non-existent the last three times he's played against Arsenal and it's getting on my nerves now. I mean, I just thought Bakayoko, I would have started with him. Um, I said at half time I wanted him on and he did come on, but I would have taken Fabregas off. Um, and I said, I would have played Zabacosta. I don't, I don't understand. If you're Zabacosta, you're like, what more do I have to do to get him starting? I mean, I know he's rotating about. We've got seven games in 21 days and that but Moses for me it wasn't that he didn't try yesterday but it just wasn't happening for him it just it just kept falling over I don't know if he was drunk I don't know if he was doing a Paul Merson and he just was still drunk from the night before and um, but it wasn't his day but no I think they did they did stay disciplined which is just sod's law because against everyone else Arsenal would have just crumbled but I still think if we if Pedro had got that early goal or we'd scored I still think they would have fallen apart like the that they are but no they they did they kept us out for long enough to sort of grow into the game I think if we'd have scored in that first 20 minutes when we were on top then they probably wouldn't have paid their way back into it they just would have done what Arsenal usually do and roll over with their legs in the air I think that's a really good point Alex I mean the other thing that occurred to me Tony and I I do think that they are due a bit of praise to be fair mate I thought that they were tactically very good but I think even even Wenger admitted it after the game in effect that they were so desperate not to get beaten by us again at Stamford Bridge that he really did set that team up not to lose Um, and I think you know there's a corollary of this and that is that you know this is Arsenal who, who can tear sides apart for fun on their day They've got some superb players. They've got aspirations to win the league title and all of that. So, if you know, the fact is, if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm looking at that and, and I'm, I'm probably absolutely drunk still because I'm so excited that I didn't get beaten at Stamford Bridge. But on the other t- on the other hand, your team played like Stoke. Go and deal with that one. Yeah, they did. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the gushing praise 
of Arsenal, but, you know, Wenger does seem to have a way of, of uh, he certainly seems to have picked it up uh, against Conte. And you're right, they they were better than we've ever expected them. Now, on, they're also on the back of a bit of a thumping from Liverpool, weren't they, in the Premier League? Yeah. Um, that one's still stinging. I'm always wary when when we play a team that has been thumped the week before. Because then I think, oh, for God's sake, we should have been the ones doing the thumping. And they're going to come to us and they're not going to want a repeat of that. Um uh, so I think, you know, ultimately, do you know what it, it is? It's almost like for the first time in his life, Wenger has a plan B because he's never had that <laughs> yeah. before, is he? He's always been tippy-tappy, wishy-washy, whatever it is, you know, Barcelona bloody type football without the actual talent that Barcelona have got um, and without the muscle and the strength. Um, and, and so, you know, credit where it's due, you know, he, but he, you know, he's, you know, it, I think he's on a hiding to nothing, isn't he, this season? Can really? I just say, I did say in the blog that for them to win the league, at least three other teams are going to have to roll over and die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stopping us scoring isn't the same as looking like a championship winning team. They came and they did a job and they got away with a point yesterday, but that isn't going to win them anything this season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, there's they, they still faults within their system and within their team or whatever. You know, at the end of the day, I still go back to the fact that if we turned up and we were playing 80 but let's face it, in the FA Cup final, we turned up, we weren't even at 30%. Yesterday, you might have said that we were at 80% and that they were probably running at about 95 or 100, you know, to get that nil-nil. Um, uh, and it didn't make for a particularly good game. Uh, Wenger, like you said, I think, Chid, you've said it a couple of times throughout this, and I think JK alluded to it, they came not to lose. Now, if they nick a win... They're heroes, aren't they, for a week? Arsenal fan TV yeah. goes into meltdown about how they're going to win the league. Oh, come on, Tony. Uh, one, one of their fans invaded the pitch because of an offside goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that is still quite the moment, isn't it, that one, you know? <laughs> uh, I've done that a few times. I've jumped up when we scored goals uh, and screamed my head off and gone loony and then someone's tapped on the shoulder and gone, it didn't go in or keeper saved it or whatever. But I'm doing that in the privacy of the Wefu Arting up. <laughs> where only a couple of hundred people can see me as a git. Yeah, not, not millions, arguably millions across the bloody TV and in the ground. Yeah, he must be feeling pretty dickish today, that geezer. Yeah, what a knob. Um, Jonathan, I think there's, there's some very wise words spoken, as always, by the the, uh, the, the unfairly labelled smart buddies, I think. They've, they've been very sensible tonight. Um, have I've you heard, got anything uh, to add to that? I've heard one fuck and a wank. I'm very disappointed. I thought they'd be more. <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope in the right order. I hope in the right order, otherwise, you know, we, we need to yeah, be yeah, I think there was some there was some air between them at some stage. Yeah, yeah. So uh... okay, no bubbles though. I, I, no I'm bubbles. feeling sorry for my smart buddy. She's got hangover, and I know just how shit that feels, as we all do. I know. Yeah, we all do. We've um... all been there. We've all been. Jonathan, I mean, one one thing that occurred to me though, I mean. You know, they Arsenal didn't. They were very disciplined, and I think that's why they they got the result. But uh, they 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 were putting it about a bit. I mean, even Aaron Aaron Ramsey was going in for fifty fifties, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And there was a bit of a sense that we didn't quite like it. And 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 I mean, back Yoko aside, who who is a unit and then some, it was a bit. I did get the feeling that we were being a bit bullied, and I hate to see that against Arsenal because I've just come to enjoy us bullying them for the last kind of fifteen years. Well. Mm. 13 years you know so uh, were, were you a bit perturbed about that I, is there a theory in here or am I talking absolute rubbish no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reiterate I think he was experimenting I honestly think he was trying things out the very fact that he uh, he played William and Pedro together um, 
with Morata. I think he had a he had a plan, and the, it wasn't the plan that worked against them because they they countered it. Uh, but no, that I think you have to expect that now. I think Wenger is is, is learning that, uh, um, as we've been saying, it's only taken him twelve years. That you uh, you need to be very competitive against Chelsea, and perhaps um, Conte will learn that uh, he's got to be slightly more physical. Um, so in which case it might be that uh, Zappacosta, Rudiger, and uh, Bakayoko have more of a start because um, they're 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 hardly uh, they're hardly small uh, small people who get it, e- easily knocked off the ball. Sorry is it, was it, it, it was a corresponding fixture last year, wasn't it? Uh, but at um, the Emirates, where we lost three 0 wasn't it? And and basically, yeah. it, you know, uh, Conte tore up whatever experiment or plan or whether he was, you know, at the time, I think the rumour was that he was saying, right, this is the players we've got. We're going to carry on playing the way we have been before at the back, etc., and changed it all around. Uh, you know, so I think your, your point about experimentation there, JK, is, is probably quite valid in that, you know, he's maybe still feeling his way through this season. You know, a nil-nil, he might be, you know, Conte looking at him, looks like the sort of bloke that would have been uh, uh, nice to the press and the media and going, uh, you know, nil-nil was not too bad or whatever. Furious inside, you know, and, uh, you know, perhaps we can string together a bit of a run now and, and it starts, you know, against a pretty, you know, physical outfit on Saturday, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it really, it really intriguing to see who he picks mm. on Saturday with Stoke. I think he he should pick, as we've said, the that that very physical side against them. Yeah. And having the others to bring on later. I mean, I get slightly worried about playing William from the very beginning because he always, he never seems to be quite up for it. I think he's great coming on uh, later on now as a setup. And I don't think Hazard is the game. I mean, Hazard will be playing from the start. I thought when he came on, he actually, he affected yeah, he the, the game. He was yeah, great. Did, yeah. And, uh, and he, I wish he'd scored with that shot that Czech saved easily. If all it needed was him just to hit it to the right, he would have flown into the top corner. Because yeah, yeah. that totally. was a lovely well, actually, that's a good. That it, it it was, wasn't it? And I, I you know, I personally, I would have started Hazard from the get go. I think he's had enough games or enough enough yeah. minutes on the pitch to warrant a start. And I was a bit frustrated to see that he didn't. And uh, you know, when he came on, he, he looked lively. And <clears throat> that that uh, that shot you're talking about, Jonathan, was was vintage Hazard, wasn't it? In a way, so it yeah. was good to see him back. I'm a bit I'm a bit surprised. I I I I. I I, yeah, I'm really surprised. I see, I see William in a very different way than you do, mate. I, I've got to be honest. I thought he was superb against Carabag. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, you know, I, I see William full of energy. You know, he, 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 I think he's brilliant at nicking the ball and keeping the ball and getting things going. And I, I, I don't, I don't see what you see there at all. Am I, am I missing something? Well, no. I just felt that it, it, some of the big games, I've noticed that that he doesn't seem to be quite as involved. Um, whether it's the, I think perhaps it was the role he was playing. I'm, I'm being a bit mm. unfair, I think. I think because, as I say, he didn't seem to be happy with the role, which they played these five up. It really was bizarre. I kept looking at it. I kept saying to everybody, but look, he's got five players up there. There are only two in the middle. What is this? We have never seen this before. It was like watching something from uh, 1961, you know, which is you always had five players up. I thought, bloody hell, this is an interesting tactic. And William was was playing next to Morato. And you think, hang on, normally he would get the ball in midfield and run at people. He's not been given any opportunity to do that. I mean, because perhaps somebody on, on Mixler could comment on that, because I, I kept noticing it. And I kept saying to the people I was with, bloody hell, look at that. What is this? We've never seen this before with, with Conte. What is he doing? 
The uh, the the wonderfully learned Heon, of course, as you as you know, Jonathan, because he was on the show. In fact, he's on the show next week, but he was on the other week, and we we figured out that uh, for a young lad, he knows his onions. Uh, and I think he makes a very, very valid point here. And I think this applies to, to, to well, I mean, he, he says that uh, William influences the game when space is available. But I think just to extend that a bit further, you know, I think what no Arsenal, well, exactly what Arsenal did brilliantly was that they basically, that, I mean, you know, for somebody, for a manager who was basically never given a shit about tactics or, or wandering out of the other side play, you know, this was a massive sea change from Fenger because basically he got, um, you know, Monreal or Mustafi to get in Morata's face and knock him over every time he got near the ball, which rendered him useless for the match and he just got in a flounce. And uh, Iwobi and Welbick tracked back and, and basically just sat on, on William and Pedro for the whole match and they were absolutely denied space. And this is the this is the point, you know, there are two teams on the pitch and if the other one is stopping the other one playing, you're not going to see William or Pedro or whoever create lots of opportunities and play really well and i and i you know we were frustrated and and it seeped through stanford bridge but i think the players on the pitch were massively frustrated as well tony oh yeah yeah i mean it it, it, it goes back to what i keep saying it wasn't a good spectacle uh overall you, you made a point about morata and lack of service and 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 you know f- sort of flouncing around or whatever well he's just said probably you know from from Ironically, one of the at least likely teams, he's probably had a, a bit of a lesson in the Premier League at its most rough and tumble. And that, that's straight up. You, you, well, you would never have thought that from Arsenal, would you, really? You know, Let no. me just jump in. I just feel like I've got to defend Morata a bit. Yes, he went over too easy on some. Yes, he did get the hump. Can I just say, against Spurs at Wembley, he didn't win one thing in the air. He got bullied out of the game, most of it. Whereas um, now... It's rare that if he jumps for something, he doesn't get it. He no. really is catching on yeah. quick to the physicality mm. of the English game. He's not there yet. And obviously, he, he's going down thinking he's been fouled because he would have been yeah. in Spain or Italy, and he hasn't. And he's, he's not learned everything yet. But one thing he's embraced brilliantly is that he needs to be more physical because he went after a couple of Arsenal players like a beast and won the ball back yesterday. Um, so I just want to defend him a bit because, yeah, he did oh, go over I, too I, easy in that, but I, it just feels like we're saying yeah, like, a really I, terrible I, game and I don't yeah. think he did. No, I wasn't knocking I think that's a, val- either, a valid point, saying, Alex. You know, that's a that's a very very a valid point. I'm not really trying to dig him out. I I think if if I'm if I would be critical of Morata for one thing and one thing alone, it wouldn't be for his lack of appetite for the fight and no, the lack of physicality because I think he showed it. that. I think yeah. I think it's that he went down easily when challenged because he was looking for the free kick and it, it's my, not going to happen here. It's not going to happen here. Not with English referees. No, but also I I don't. At the moment, he's only in what is third or fourth game. I can live with the yeah. fact that he goes down too easy. But when you don't get it, get up quick and get on with it. Yeah. Suck it up and get on with it. He stayed on the floor too long, yeah. sort of like huffing and puffing, like, oh, damn it, I've been fouled. No, I, if you're not I kept the shouting, shit, I kept shouting, get up, Murata, get up. That's my big thing. Did he get hear up. you? He's been fouled. Get up. Come on, get, go for the Did ball. Did he hear you? Engage. Uh, fun enough, no. See, si, see, si, see, si, see, si, see, si, senor, see, si, senor. Oh, I I just the, can I just say that I was a bit poncy. I used the word engage. I remember myself <laughs> oh, saying, "Oh no, you didn't." I did. I did. Who do you I think did. you are, Jean Luc? Do you think you're Jean Luc bloody yeah. Picard, mate? Jean Luc Picard, make it so. Maratta, Maratta, make it so. I was a complete git. I admit it, but I did he, say he, that after I said he, it. I was ashamed. So. 
he could do well to talk to a player who's constantly put on his ass and has learned to get up and get on with it probably a little bit too much. Uh, and that's Eden Hazard. You know, Hazard gets yeah. absolutely <clears throat> smashed. Fucking game after game, right? Uh, and, and I think sometimes Hazard doesn't make enough of a meal out of it. I think sometimes he should do because... Uh, I think now even the referees probably look at him and think, you know, you're tough, you're short, you've got a low centre of gravity, get up and get on with it, you you know, whatever. But um, it wasn't like that at the beginning. Uh, and now I think Hazard just gets up and gets on with it. Unless he's genuinely hurt. I think Hazard's one of these players that when he goes down, if he's genuinely hurt, you'll know it. OK, he, he won't sort of um, fabricate the actual uh, or feign the injury or whatever. And I think sometimes around, he will stay down a tiny bit, though, if he's a bit tired and he's just going to run the length Maybe. of the pitch. You can see him clinging onto his knee going, oh, I'm just going to get my breath back while I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll show me a player that doesn't do that. They all do that to some degree. But I think do you know like, what as well, though? Yes. Uh, was it yesterday? My, my brain is mush. When we went down to 10 men, um, his defending, he was so tenacious at going back hazard and trying to help the defenders and make sure that we didn't concede. And when you look back at what a lazy shit he was when he first came yeah. to us, he wouldn't go back over the halfway line. I just thought he was brilliant when we went down to 10. He really did go back and put a shift in to just make sure that we didn't lose it at the last minute. And that, to me, is just like, that's why I love Hazard now, because he's just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. OK, well, look, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Um, because we're going to talk about uh, Carabag and uh, Stoke and Notts Forest in a minute. But uh, no, sorry, Nottingham Forest. They hate Notts Forest. So Notts Forest after the break. Yes. Um, before I do the the uh, the usual the usual pluggery. Um, of course, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, join the Supporters Trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's five quid to become a voting member. It's free for non-voting members. But why, why, why would you not pay five quid? to be able to vote in the elections and on the motions and also get a lovely, beautiful Chelsea Supporters Trust badge. Uh, now, sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com so you can attend the meetings, come to the events, vote, as I said, on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. Now, follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Okay, CPO, another people, bunch of people that we love uh, because if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, you can go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who, of course, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge. And their aim, of course, is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing at f- football at Stamford Bridge forever. No matter what happens with the new stadium, that's the point. It'll be there for generations to come because they own the pitch. Now, you can find out how to buy a share for about 100 quid by emailing Info at ChelseaPitchOwners.com or you can check out ChelseaFC.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. You can follow them on Twitter at PitchOwners. And as, and as I said, I may have said this before, but you can actually buy the shares in installments, uh, which means you don't have to shell out 100 quid all in one go. Uh, and last but no means least, our lovely friends, uh, the CFC UK fanzine, the best, the original Chelsea fanzine. Alex has been known to sell them occasionally in the past. Uh, but if you can't get one in person, all you can, all you have to do, I mean, because basically normally what you do is you go to the stall or you buy them from one of the sellers around the ground. The stall's opposite Fulham Broadway Tube, uh, usually uh, looked after by the lovely Mark Worrell, who was on the show the other week. Uh, but if you can't get it in person, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow the Twitter account at cfcukusa. And if you're interested in getting a, a hard copy in the States, you can contact Dan Lundberg, 
who is on Twitter at dlundberg underscore. Now, last of the bit of pluggery before we go to the break. Um, it's got, of course, it's the Kerry Dixon show with me and the legend that is Kerry Dixon uh, on Thursdays. Uh, which is when I record it with the great man. It's available in the afternoon usually, so you can download it via Acast, iTunes and SoundCloud. Now, we have secured sponsorship for The Kerry Dixon Show from a lovely organisation called ChelseaFan12.com uh, and they specialise in selling all sorts of Chelsea memorabilia and I'm talking, you know, signed shirts, signed uh, boots, you name it, all signed stuff, current players, recent ex-players like John Terry, Frank Lampard and some older vintages like Kerry, Chopper, Bobby Tamling, you name it. I, I, I've i seen this stuff. I've seen the storeroom, and it's like it's like an Aladdin's cave for a Chelsea supporter. So uh, check that out, chelseafan12.com. Uh, they also do a lot of videos, and they've got a lot, all sorts of other news on their website too, which is interesting. But they, they're the people that, uh, if you've ever wandered into the Butcher's Hook after a, a home game, you'll see that uh, Ron Chopper-Harris and Gary Chivers are there with a microphone being filmed, talking about uh, the, the game that they've just seen. Uh, and uh, Chelsea Fan 12 are, are responsible for that. So uh, you can check that out in the Butcher's Hook or see it on their website. And you can follow them on Twitter at Fan12Chelsea. Now, after the break, uh, we're going to look back at the Champions League game against Carabag last week. And we're going to look forward to the League Cup tie against Nottingham Forest on Wednesday and uh, the Premier League match against Stoke next Saturday. We'll see you in a sec. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com dot com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge. We are now in part three, and we've done the Arsenal game to death, and I've got the lovely uh, Jonathan Kidd with me. Oh, joyous to be on the show, as always. Uh, the great Alexandra Churchill. Churchillian, if Yay. ever there was one. Exactly. Yay! 
and uh, the my I love this man. I, I, the, you know, I've missed him in the pubs actually the last few weeks. Uh, it was I great fun on the uh, the old rat. Yeah, the old rat train. I had a great time yeah, with Tony yeah, yeah. there. It's good to we see did. Tony Glover. And good evening. It's well. great to be back, and it's just lovely to hear the the dulcet tones of the the, the drop dead gorgeous Alex Churchill. There you go. I've missed you, Indeed. smart buddy. Yeah, oh, when I too. see oh, when I see you, God. I'm gonna lick. Stop! Stop! <laughs> Get a room. Get a room, you two. Uh, Fuck's sake. Uh, anyway, <laughs> right. Uh, before before we talk about, because I mean, in this part, I just want to kind of have a quick look back at the Carabag game, and then look ahead to the Forest and the Stoke games. Uh, and before I do that, uh, the lovely Hion Carbis, who is uh, in Mixler at the moment and talking to you all. For those of you who don't know, uh, Hion was on the show a couple of weeks ago and he is the the newest recruit, the newest member of the Chelsea fancast mob. Uh, but uh, he's also helping me. In fact, I say helping me. I'm, I'm helping him more than anything else, but he's completely revamping uh, the Chelsea Fancast website, not in terms of how, how it looks and its style, but in the fact that there is actually content on there. You know, who knew? It's been going for 10 years and we finally decided to put a blog up on there. Um, but Leon, Leon's been writing all weekend. And the funny thing is, is that he's uh, literally, I don't know when, he'll tell us in a minute on Mixler, but uh, the, he's just put, oh, 41 minutes ago, it says, but uh, he's put a, um, a blog up on uh, the Knott's Forest game for tomorrow night, or sorry, Wednesday night. Um, with his views on what we need to look up for. The only thing I'm going to say, Gion, is that if you'd have done that about six hours ago, I could have used all of the fantastic stuff that you put in there to talk about the Forest game in a minute. So if I sound stupid and you sound brilliant, maybe that was the plan all along. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, he Gion's knew you'd a great lad. It and take the credit. That's why. Well, he's not <laughs> stupid. Do you know what he did? This I'm, I'll share this with you because it's kind of relevant to, to both the Arsenal game and uh, and uh, and the and the website uh, kind of being reversioned by Gion. He texted me uh, during the game and said, Chidge, 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 um, can you do me a favour? Can you just, like, you know, text me your thoughts on the game uh, immediately afterwards? Uh, and he said, I can put a blog up. And I thought, yeah, all right, OK. Of course, I did that. And then he's written this fantastic blog. And, of course, what I realised was that, you know, any sense that I have, you know, is just unprocessable at the time. You know, if you ask me to comment on a game the minute I've seen it, it's just gibberish and myopic, one-sided nonsense, and it takes me about three or four hours to decompress, reflect, and become a bit more rational. So I'm sorry, Hion, if my if whatever I sent you was a load of old arse gravy, but uh, um, maybe I'll try and... Maybe we should keep it like that. Maybe it's funnier when I go off on one and, t- and, and, and just go a bit bats, and maybe you could include that in the blog compared to your sense, but I don't know. Anyway, look, the bottom line is, people, Hion's lovely. He's on the show next week. Uh, talk to him. Read the blogs that he does. I, I'm absolutely delighted that he's joined us because we might actually have a decent website for once. Enough of us prattling on. Uh, we should talk about the football. Uh, and first of all, I would like to talk about the Carabag game. Uh, personally, I was just delighted to be back there uh, and see Champions League football again at Stamford Bridge. Forgot how much how much I missed it. Uh, but the first thing, Jonathan, um, it's lovely, isn't it, actually? You get those moments in a game where something happens and you are literally out of your seat, involuntary lunacy erupts. And that's exactly what happened uh, when the Zappa Costa goal went in. Uh, I don't give a damn about all this nonsense about was it a shot or was it a cross. It was an absolute stonker, wasn't it? It was. It was a total screamer. And what was so lovely was he'd got the ball in his own half. And in fact, the uh, the person with the assist was, uh, was Tebow, wasn't it? Because Tebow ro- rolled yeah. the ball out to him. And... Uh, and then just um, 
beating everybody and then lashing it, even looking up and then lashing it, uh, lashing it across and then ending up in the goal. Yeah, it was uh, it was straight out of the uh, out of the seat. Um, and where I sit in hospitality, you have to be very careful because you can easily topple into the gra- crowd below. You know, um, particularly at my, <laughs> or, my or wake it, or wake or wake people up, Jonathan. Yes, there's always that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, um, I have to make sure I've got my stick with me so I don't fall. And uh, no, it was it was a wonderful goal. We, I was on my feet going. I think I actually swore. I'm sorry. I think I Did said. Did you really? Uh, yeah, Bother. I think I did. Which, but there was so much noise, nobody would have noticed. I actually said, "For fuck's sake!" I think I said very loud. <laughs> nice <sure>. one, <laughs> which was pretty uh, good for me. Uh, I didn't say engaged uh, during the course of the game at all. Um, make it there so. No, there, was, there was no need. <laughs> yes, make it so. Um, you should you know, have said. You a, should have screamed, "Hot rats!" <laughs> <laughs> What's the big song from that album, Chich? There's Son a song of Mr. In that, Green uh, Jeans. No, son of, son, son of Mr. Green Jeans. Peaches. No, yeah, yeah I'll, look, I'll look it up and mention it before the end of the show. Go There's out there, ladies and gentlemen. If, you, if, you've not, if you've not ever heard Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Inventions, uh, Hot Rats, uh, do yourself a favour and check it out and dream of Zappa Costa while you're doing it. Um, Tony, because we're both, me, me and Jonathan and you are all a bit old, <clears> let's be honest. Um, one thing that I noticed about <laughs> Zappa Costa, apart from that amazing goal... Um, he had another go in the second half at my, uh, at my end or our end even, mm, and yeah. uh, it just and I realised at that moment a bit more than I had when I first you know when I saw the goal that he scored. He really hits that ball hard. My he does God, indeed, he wallops he? it. Yeah, yeah, he does. And, and do you know what? Is I'm I'm really struggling to remember anyone. Uh, like I sort of alluded to it earlier. Anyone who's who's felt who's been so joyous at playing for Chelsea in their first game, do, do yeah. you, it, it just came through. I mean, I was only watching it on the TV, so I wasn't actually there. But you just got this impression every time they focused on him. He was almost playing with a big wide grin across his face, going, "Look at me! Look at what I'm doing!" Mm. You know. Um, and I think it's just great. It's a real. I got a real warm feeling for him. Really did. And uh, I, I mean, I'm with Alex actually. Alex actually said, even if he says that that goal was a cross, he's wrong. Right. He looks up. He looks up and sees there's no pass on and hits it. Yeah. I read somewhere as well that it was 74 miles an hour. I might be making that wow. up because I'm still drunk, but I read that it was about Whoa. 74 miles an hour. That's shot. Yeah. It, it was, was just, monstrous. Yeah. But it, it's a he's Peter Lorimer. It's Peter for the for, for the old for the younger ones yes. amongst you. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, even though we hated them like passion, dirty leads. Uh, yeah. But one of the things they well, were also that, famous for was for Peter Lorimer, who 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 yes. who hit the ball with unbelievable power. And this guy reminded and, me of that. And and he also hit one of them old leather balls with incredible yeah. power. The ones one that the, are filled yeah. with concrete. Yes, basically yeah. with laces That's on right. them and things like that, you know. Uh, yeah, it was a joy to watch him, Chidge. And I think, what a great option he's given us. You know, he's, I'll tell you what, uh, people were a bit underwhelmed. Was, you probably already discussed this while I was away, but underwhelmed with our, our, our business in the transfer window. But Conti seems to have a, an ability to, to get these kind of lesser-known players. Mourinho was like this when he first came and actually turn mm. them and make them and bring them to the fore. It's almost like he's a traditional coach who spots potential and then builds on that. Who knew? Mm. Who knew? 
Who knew that that's how football should be? Um, talking yes. of talking of which, Alex, um, we, we, I know we, we talked a little bit about Christensen earlier on, but I thought he was really superb. I mean, I know that we were playing the equivalent of a pub team, but mm. nevertheless, he looked so, so assured in defence, didn't he? He did. You say they're a pub team, but I expected them to be a lot more shit than they were. I expected them to be hanging out of their asses after an hour. Um, they, they were still fizzing the ball around. They were still trying to play football. They weren't very good at it, and they were clearly like outclass. But actually, they weren't as dire. I think they sh- you saw with them how they got through the qualifying, and because they put out who did they put out? Dutch team something in the qualifying which was a surprise over no it was Copenhagen over two legs they put yeah. out and you could see how they did it because they just kept going and going I mean against us at Sanford Bridge they were on a hiding to nothing but you could see how they got into the group stages but yeah Christians at Ireland I can't even remember putting him putting a single foot wrong since he's come back I really can't I think, yeah, if he's got a weakness, it's that he just needs to be more of a bastard centre-half. But <laughs> the fact that he can actually... You, you know what I mean, though? You want to see yeah, absolutely. Just, like, obviously, we don't want a Ryan Shawcross on our hands, but you you want like someone who's just beast-like, don't you? And just like Ivanovic gets punched in the face and is bleeding everywhere but carries on going. I'm not sure he's one of those at the moment, but he's still young. But... Um, in terms of his football, I think he's brilliant. I think he deserves to be back this season. And I think so far he's grabbed it with both hands, hasn't he? I think he'll play on Wednesday against Forrest. Um, um, yeah. Well, I think we will. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, mm-hmm. just final point on the Carabag game, Jonathan. Uh, you know, Batshuayi scored two goals. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, I thought he looked pretty hopeless for most of the game other than that. And I think actually one of them got chalked off for being uh, for being an own goal. goal. Yeah, it did. It did. He's a bit of a mystery, isn't he, really? Because he seemed he to is. sort of get his act together a bit more in the second half. But as you so rightly say, he was playing against a, uh, the equivalent of a pub side. But uh, no, he's not uh, He's not the answer, is he? You, if Morata gets injured or he wants to play a different forward up front for whatever reason, it's it, it, he's, he's, he's not the finished article. Uh, which is a real shame. I mean, I, I think that they're very hamstrung by the fact they paid so much money for him, and they hope that Conte will do his magic. But um, as uh, as as I said to you before, he's uh, um, the theory is that Conte is very good at working one to one with people, and he's tried to work with Batshuayi, and he just forgets what he tells him. I think as well, it's important to remember that when we did shell out that money for him, I don't think it's because it was the right time for us to buy Batchway. I think it's because everyone else was in for him as well and we didn't want anyone else to have him. I think there was an element of that in when we yeah. bought him and why we bought him when we did because he'd had a good uh, tournament over the summer, hadn't he? Yes, he did. He, he looked good when he played for Belgium. I think, yeah. if you, yeah, I think if you'd given us the choice and said, do we want him now or do we want to have a look over another year and then maybe see about buying him. I think we were kind of, our hand was forced a bit. Yes, it's, it's a shame because he's such a sweet man. He's on Twitter. He's awesome on Twitter. He's yeah, fantastic. But, he's, but I wish, you know, Jonathan, I wish he was better. Yeah. Well, Sorry your point, I think, is incredibly valid, which is that, you know, he, he's got a, a great environment to learn to play football. He's got a superb coach with a track record of improving players. But, you know, that means if you get told to do something, you have to learn from it. You know, and I, I yeah. just see him making the same mistake game after game. The number of times he gets yeah. caught offside, you know, and and that really worries me. That there just doesn't seem to be any rate of improvement. Now I know I know that people could kind of like hit back at me saying, "Yeah, but Chidi's hardly been on the pitch. He doesn't get much chance to prove it." But 
I just have a feeling. I, de- I would. I desperately look. Any any player who puts on a blue shirt, I want to be brilliant and excel for us and be fantastic and fall in love with them and and just absolutely love it. But you know, I'm going to be honest enough to tell people what I see in front of my eyes. At the moment, I'm not seeing any you know semblance of an improvement. I mean, just to just to qualify that, we were talking earlier on about uh, Morata. Uh, and you and you look look at how all at sea Morata looked in his first uh, game, mm. particularly against a good defence like Spurs. But you watch his rate of improvement after the last you, three it's or the, four it's games. It's a struggle to see the learning curve with Batshuayi, isn't it? He's come yeah. on obviously yeah. at West Brom and had a brilliant day and and done what he he needed to do, which was score. Um, but as a player, I don't see the learning curve. It's, no, it's not. No, he does. I know. Obviously, he doesn't get enough minutes <clears> on the pitch. But like for instance, he will play on Wednesday. And yeah. he needs to impress. He played against well, let's, Gary. Let's Mag, hope, let's but hope. he didn't impress, did he? He he it got to the point no, where you're no. like, Jesus Christ, he needs to score before the end of this, otherwise it'd be a catastrophe yeah. for him. Well, you know, let's hope. Oh, yeah. I mean, here's this interesting thing, actually. Just hang on a minute, Jonathan, because Pradge and, yeah. uh, and and Mr. Kurt Plastic have made a very good point about. Uh, actually, Kurt's just said this level footballers shouldn't have have to practice their trapping and ball control in training. Bats touch is poor, and actually, reading what he says, Jonathan, it makes me wonder. You know, which is, a, is something that seems to be proliferating football these days, is that they're more. You know, a lot of people are more concerned about whether you're physically powerful, an athlete, or very, very fast, rather than do you have two good feet and can you control a ball and and be precise. And it's interesting because Morata isn't a great big hairy ass centre forward. He's quite slender. I mean, he's probably over six foot. You know. And built, but he's not a, he's not a monster like Costa or Drogba was. But this, you know he can play football, can't he, Jonathan? And maybe the people well, forget that. Maybe we should go back to that. The other the other aspect I, I likened him to Osgood, but he uh, he's got an Ian Rush quality about him as well, uh, Morata. There's a, a you know a, that that thinness, the whippet like quality, just getting into yeah, the, into space very quickly. Um, when you but, say uh, when you I, say he's a bit rush, when when you say he's a bit like Ian Rush, does that mean he thinks he's playing in a foreign country? <laughs> well, well, he is if he speaks Welsh, isn't he? So, uh, <laughs> You've got a proper thing that. about hairy asses tonight as well. You keep going on about. Yeah, hairy I'm fixated with hairy asses, Alex. <laughs> I am. Really yeah. are. Can I also just well, say that, per- that I think it's a different time at the club because um, under Mourinho, um, uh, anybody who didn't play wasn't part of it. He didn't think was good enough. He just sold, didn't he? Which even Can unfortunately I- include De Bruyne and. Uh, Salah and um, Salah, um, but originally included Kesman and uh, Del Horno, who lasted a season. Whereas here we all are looking at Bakshuai thinking, actually, he's really not up to it. And we worked that out last year, and yet he's still there. And yet, so if that... we were judging Drogba on the same time scale, we would have yeah, got rid of him as very well. True. We would have, oh, that's yeah, true. absolutely, would have absolutely would have done. And particularly, I mean, do you remember there was a period where Drogba wanted to get away as well? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and he and he went through that. But that was that was under a Scolari in particular. That bloody hand motion, that take me off, rolling, yeah, substitute yeah, me, yeah. I can't be around. Absolutely, training, but, yeah. But that's because he he couldn't. They none of them could stand Scolari. Yeah. Listen, I I, I think you know, guys. I th- I think I think generally that's a really good point that we should be patient with the young man and and let's see what happens. Yes. But on the other hand, if you want to try and compare, I mean, I agree with you. Drogba was rubbish, wasn't he, for that first year? But uh, remember that he came from Marseille, who had just won the uh, what was the Cup Winners' Cup in those days, and he was one of the you know most sought-after strikers in Europe. So he he had kind of proved himself, albeit not in the Premier League, but he'd proved himself as a striker. 
So I think he's a, he, he's a bit different from what we've got with Batshuayi. But look, look, we should, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're right. We should be patient and get off his case. And there's just, as I said, nothing would please me more than to see him uh, make it at Chelsea. Look, we, we, we should move on really to Forrest and Stoke. Um, Forrest, of course, on Wednesday night, very annoyingly, because I have to work in Southampton and Southampton until six on Wednesdays. I can't bloody make the game, but no doubt you lot are all going. Um, just a quick kind of roundup of where we are with Forest. They're currently tenth in the Championship. They beat Newcastle in the last round of the uh, the League Cup. I refuse to call it by the sponsor's name. Uh, <laughs> interestingly, in, interestingly, we've got Michael uh, Mancian. In fact, if, if I'm going to use a sponsor's name, I'm going to call it the Rumbelows Cup. All right, Tony? Yeah, uh, yeah. But, well, see, uh, for me, it's always going to be the Coca Cola Cup. No matter. Me, well, what it's about the milk? Actually, it's the, the milk, milk Cup. Milk. Yes, cup thank you, me. Jonathan. <laughs> The Milk Cup. Listen, the, the interesting thing that I didn't know, I did not know that, uh, was that Michael Mancian plays them in defence, one of our old boys. Um, so there we go. I mean, on paper, Tony, it should be a bit of a doddle, shouldn't it? But I, I wonder if it'll depend really on, on who we who, who we put out and uh, and how up for uh, it they are, as always. Well, let, lest we forget Bradford. Was that a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Um, oh, it uh, was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. That was the season of death, though. Yes, I know, but it was two nil up at Stamford Bridge, and uh, you know, and then then you basically our lives caved in. Listen, um, not as Forest, uh, one of those teams, uh, along with Leeds, that I think should be in the Premier League. Right, yes. I, I genuinely yeah, yeah. believe that. Um, young man, uh, young man. Yes, young man. Uh, and I think it would be great to see them back to, you know, restored somewhat back to their former glories, even though, you know, the away game at Nottingham, because Nottingham is an absolute shithole, and I'm not apologising no, for that. No, it's rubbish. Nottingham, Nottingham's a fantastic place. What are you talking <laughs> about? Things, uh, well, perhaps the place yeah, I Yeah, it's a great place. Particularly ropey, really ropey place. But, um, you know, they, they, they've got a, a, a fabulous history. Let's not forget, you know, the, 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 their, their, their history is rich. In, in trophies in the Clough uh, era. Um, More European but, Cups than us. Yes, absolutely. Um, at, um, at, at a time, you, you could argue, when they were probably, even though they'd won the, 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 you know, the, the, the English First Division as it was then, um, you know, they were up against them and they were not expected to get much really beyond the, the, the first couple of rounds, I don't think, you know. Um, because everyone saw it as a bit of a Leicester. I don't know if you remember back in them days, but everyone saw that first Nottingham Forest um, Championship as a bit of a Leicester. You're like, where the hell did they come from, sort of thing? Uh, despite their, their their rather well, charismatic manager. To put, to put it to to put it in context, Tony, that was the year that we came up from the second division and we finished ahead of them. Yeah, uh, exactly. Right. So, so they came up with us. They came yep. up with us. We had finished ahead of them. The Wolves were first. We were second. They were third. And then the next season they won the they won Division One. Yeah, yes, and uh, you know, uh, they there's no doubt that they were you know they're great days. Uh, I I think we'll roll through them. I really do. Um, I don't think Conti. I don't think he accepts. Uh, he seems to have a quite Mourinho-esque attitude towards these these other trophies. We've never treated the League Cup or the FA Cup with the contempt that we've seen from Manchester United under Ferguson to a degree, but more so from Wenger, who has absolutely disrespected anything that isn't, you know, e- you know, even winning the FA Cup this year is still not quite good enough for Arsenal. Um, I, I, and and I, I still think that uh, the League Cup, you know, Mourinho always used that as a, a kind of dive, a springboard, didn't he? onto winning things at his very first season we won that uh, the league cup that season and that was the springboard onto winning the premiership 
Um, so I'd like to see us go in. No, not, I think there's an opportunity to to put some some different players out there, but I I do think we're rolling. I think we'll be far too good. And we're not like Newcastle. I don't think we're quite as fragile as them. Good on you. All right. Um, any either of you two would would like to comment on that before we go? I mean, do you think who, who do you think is likely to start? It was a bit of a rumor, Alex, that uh, Charlie Musonda might start, which would be nice I think to see he him has start. To, otherwise, it? why did you bother? Otherwise, this is the kind of game mm. why you kept him and didn't loan him out because he impressed you in pre-season. I think I, I agree with Tony. I think there's so much competition at the moment for some of the positions that there are people that are going to need to go out there and impress. So I can't see us tripping up. But then you never know. You could get a Craig Pawson referee in it and then fuck knows what happened. But um, I know I agree with Tony. I think we'll roll through them. I think we will see some other faces. I think uh, Bakayoko, a Rudiger will start. I think uh, Masonda should start. I hope he does. Zappa Costa. Um, Zappa Costa, definitely. Um, yeah, I think Bakayoko. Would you or will you save him for Stoke, maybe? I don't know. I think that one's a toss-up, whether you think he's more mm. important against those horrible gits on Saturday. But um, no, it should be good. They're bringing yeah. a big. I mean, we're, Jonathan, actually, you... we're in the shed, but we're in the away section of the shed because of the way, because of how many tickets Forest have yeah. taken. We've got. Have the they not brought many down then? Have they, well, have they, they not brought many down? They're bringing four thousand. So what that means in shed terms is that we go in the entrance. The away fan usually goes in oh, and gets the right, fifteen hundred yeah, yeah. in the corner. Um, that the likes of I don't know Wigan used to take that little corner of the shed. So the yeah, yeah. over that side, and they've got our side kind of thing. So yeah. They'll bring one thing, plas- Jonathan. Plastic European cups, won't they? <laughs> they? Did that last time. No, they probably will. They probably will. I mean, to, 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 um, Jonathan will remember this, you know, uh, as a man of a certain age. But there used to be a, a, a pretty big rivalry with with Forest, not least because of the the aggro that the game usually uh, encouraged. I mean, there are great stories of us going up there that I've heard of people being thrown in the River Trent, for example. So <laughs> it used to be quite... It, 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 and I, I hasten to add that they were not usually Chelsea supporters. They were usually Forest supporters. But there was, a bit of, there was a bit of a grudge and a bit of enmity between the two teams going way back. It's lovely to see them down here, actually. I was kind of, I've always... Because my wife used to work in Nottingham, I've kind of been secretly hoping for years that we'd get them in the League Cup up there so that I could like get a free hotel space or something and, and go up there. But sadly, sadly not to be the case. It happens to be on a day when I can't bloody make it down here. Um, but anyway, that's not the point, JK. The point is, is that I think Conte was kind of intimating that Hazard might start uh, uh, on Wednesday. I, do you see that happening? I, I think it's a bit... Why not just save him for Stoke? I think he'll start, but I don't... Sorry. Hang on. Well, since when have you been Jonathan? <laughs> Since, <laughs> since now. <laughs> hey, nice good comeback. Yeah, good comeback. Like that, you Yeah. No, I know you didn't. Ask, I know you didn't ask me, but yeah, sorry. Um, uh, 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 I think Alex can answer for me. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, you um, gentleman. Uh, my, my gentleman. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a great ground there. It's a proper ground. It's a, it is. it's a ground for uh, somebody in the Premier League, isn't it? And uh, um, there was always a rivalry because they were always good. They were always better than us during that period most of the time. Um, they beat us seven-one yes. once, didn't they, in the nineties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a terrible. I was used to watch Stuart Pearce when he would play for them. He'd always take a free kick, and I'd always go, "He'll score. We're good. we're all just going to leap in the air and miss. It'll go under us or hit somebody and go in." And he always did. It was like a kind of running gag. You think, "Oh God, it's Pearce is going to. They're all going to shy away because he hits the ball so hard." Um, My first they... crush when I was little was Gary Crosby. No. 
He was a good player. Yeah, very yeah. good player. Sorry, and Andy Silverson's corrected me. Andy Silverson's corrected me and said actually we lost six two at home. I think you might be right, Andy. Maybe look, we lost seven one as well. I don't remember remembering that from. Listen, boys and girls, I, I hate to interrupt the flow, but uh, no, let me let me just. We should have a we should have a very we should have a we should have a very quick chat about Stoke before we go to a break. We've got about two or three minutes. So, Alex, as you're so keen to talk, um, <laughs> what are your views on the Stoke game? Firstly, just quickly, Hazard, yeah, he should start, but I don't think he'll finish. He won't play 90. He'll come off after like an hour. It'll be another step up. Um, Stoke will be miserable, the same bastard experience it is every sodding season, with it's freezing because the corners are open in that stadium and it's miserable. And everyone will throw beer under the sand beforehand and my hair will stink of beer and I'll hate every second of it, but I think we'll win. Wow! 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 How can you add to that? How can how can you follow that? How can you how can you follow that, Tony? But go on. Uh, Cheers! Thanks for lining me up there. Listen, I've been to Stoke a couple of times um, because we've got a we've got a a big big place out there, big you know call centre, and I would say that it's not quite as bad as that if you're just going out there for a beer or whatever. But as a game, yeah, look, Mark Hughes. Um, uh, does not like us, does he? They're, whatever it is, he will be putting out every yeah. And you've you've put on the script there, worried about being bullied. Of course I am. Uh, I'm not sure it's a game I'd want Hazard starting because it's the sort of game that Hughes um, would have, you know, as a player he would have targeted someone like Hazard, let alone as a manager. Although dare <laughs> I say it and tempt fate, apparently I think I heard it's Mike Dean. Which yes. he's yes. he's not. I'm going to take tempt fate now completely and say he's not the biggest wanker of the referees. And actually, if anyone's going to put a lid on Stoke kicking and punching, you yeah. might he would. But now I've said that, obviously he'll be yeah. a complete swat and give us nothing. And I think there's 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 probably something to that. I mean, we've we've always coped much better than you know than than say Arsenal uh, at Stoke. You know, they've always been a a real thorn in 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 their side. Um, and, and we've shown that we can stand up to these teams. Uh, it's just, I think, like you, Alex, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think if we go there... Do you we... think, well, Miss Lewis, do you think that that's the kind of game where you like him being no. a bullshit arsehole? Or do you think we'll be all right without him? No, I think they'll... Because I think they'll, they, he's the sort of player that, that, that again, um, Hughes would get his players to target. Because he's, you know, got a slightly... Uh, I see Latin... Rudiger, Cahill and yeah. Dave... Yeah, and I think that'll be a much more calm, controlled. Rudiger, I, I, you know, I saw it. I've only seen him once live, and that was when I was at the Burnley game, and I loved him. I loved him from the minute he got annoyed with the players for losing their heads. You know, he's like, you know, he was as annoyed as every fan in that ground. And I thought, yeah, yeah. you'll you'll go far, here, mate. Um, and I do think, you know, I I, I think it's got one nil written all over it and I think you know, it might be an ugly goal that comes off a deflection I couldn't care less yeah. um, because I think we're hard to score against I think if, if Conti um, really puts his mind to it if we get that goal up I think you could expect to see seven at the back yeah <laughs> yeah. 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 And so put across the goal so I think you know he'll know that that isn't a game you're going to go up there and play dazzling football at and and it's not a dazzling football is something that Stoke seemed to take great pleasure in pulling apart mm. Yeah, like they so. are playing Brilliant a bit summary. more openly, though. They are playing a bit, a bit more. Uh, he, he does try to play football despite having these, uh, uh, these thug element. He does get a lot of people to, as you say, to uh, 
to take people out but um, it, but I think that has like they used to be just sodden impossible to get past didn't they and I think they've lost a bit of that because they've opened up a bit more which might actually just do us a favour in the end and of course of course the best thing the best thing of all is that they won't be able to play their best defender which is Kurt Zuma because of course yeah. you know, the lone the lone rule so listen I'm going to wrap this up now very quickly but I must I must share with you for those of you you three who are not looking at Mixler but there's been some brilliant feedback Jonathan on the Forest games and I'll read yeah. a few of them out. One of them, uh, I saw Alan May score says, we lost 7-0 away in 1991. Dorigo played left wing, so no wonder. Roy Keane destroyed us. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Panky, this is even better, Panky CFC says, when we lost 7-0 away, Clough in his next programme notes, praised Chelsea's support, we didn't stop. There you go, proper Chelsea, if ever there was one. Now, talking of proper Chelsea, um, you know, I, I'm afraid we found out this news after last week's uh, show. Uh, but very sadly, our great, great, great friend, Paul Cannaville, uh, who uh, was, who played for us in the 80s, of course, and has been on the Chelsea fancast many, many, many times, hasn't he, Jonathan? Yeah, um, he's great. currently, he's currently uh, recovering in hospital after major stomach surgery, so he's not been a well boy at all. Um, the latest I hear is that... Um, you know he's kind of uh, more. You know he, he he he's on the on the mend, shall we say? And he's kind of he's back on his phone, facebooking, and God knows what else, and speaking to people. So it looks like he's on the way back, but it's going to take him quite a while uh, to recover fully, which is uh, which is very sad news. And uh, obviously, our thoughts are with the great man, and we're sending him lots of love. Um, but there is a more uh, substantial thing that we can do uh, because the lovely Brenda Darcy, who, who is also a friend of the show, and uh, she pretty much organises the Atlanta Blues out in the States, and they've uh, they've uh, had Paul over there several times, I think. So she gets on very well with him. Anyway, she's uh, set up a GoFundMe campaign uh, to support him in his recovery because he's not going to be back on his feet for a while. So I would urge you, if you can spare a pound or two, uh, go to gofundme.com forward slash Paul hyphen Canaville, which is C-A-N-O-V-I-L-L-E hyphen get hyphen well hyphen fund. Uh, so please do that. There's also a Just Giving campaign that somebody else has organised for Paul as well. So take your pick. But the one I, I got informed of officially was the uh, the GoFundMe one. But Paul Paul's a lovely lad, isn't he? It's very, very sorry to hear that. I mean, um, you know, obviously you were at the game on Sunday, JK, but Neil Barnett was uh, saying that the, the the news was more encouraging, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and he, he, I follow him on Facebook, and he was uh, he was there, and um, he was sending out messages. So it was great. He was actually at the Burnley game, and he came into the uh, came into Aussies, and I gave him a big hug. And uh, um, he's he's very good at, um, at remembering people that he's he's done the podcast with. He's actually he's terrific that way, and uh, um, he's just a sweet sweet guy. Um, and yeah, uh, so it was a real real shock to discover they put him into a coma. I was reading. Induced so, yeah. Yeah. to help him, but so, but no, this it's a relief to see him actually back on Facebook. So thank goodness for that. But yeah, no, great, mm. great guy, mm. wonderful. As we know uh, from yeah, his I time, mean, uh, time on the fan cast, he's always very amusing and approachable and lovely. So great. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Marco, uh, Mark Worrell echoed those sentiments. May put a lovely photograph up, and he and he made that point on Twitter that. You know, of all of the ex-players, Canners is the one ex-player that's always guaranteed to come up to the stall and say hello to Mark uh, before the game. And that's the kind of guy he is. So I'm sure all, all three of us, uh, and all of you listening, of course, will, will wish him the absolute best and the, and the speediest recovery possible. 
get well soon Canners. we love you mate um right we are uh, after the break uh, we're gonna have some top 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 tip top emails from all over the world australia california and putney so uh, oh, please that, please let me have please let me have the first one Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast. We're on the home straight. Those of you like Sid Sullery who have, uh, you know, managed to last this long, which I know is hard. Uh, you know, you're in for only another 20 minutes, so just hang on in there, guys. It'll be worth it, uh, particularly for the people who've sent the emails in. Uh, the first of which is from a lovely guy called Mick Fraser, Jonathan. Yep, I'll, I'll read them all very quickly if people need to get away. We've got 20 minutes. No, no, that's all right. I'm only pulling, pulling Sid's leg, JK. I'm only pulling Sid's leg. You can take as and long I, as you like. And I'm only kidding, Chidge. I was going to do Good. an amusing, okay. very quick read, but I won't. Um, you ruined his joke, basically. You ruined my gag. Sorry, anyway. sorry, sorry. It's okay, it's okay. This is from Mick Fraser. Hi, Chidge et al. That's good. What a shit excuse for a song chant that new Maratta one is. Not sure if you guys have discussed it yet, so I'm a week behind in the regular podcast, so sorry if this is old news. Here's a good little point of view from a Jew, which I'm not. It gave me the impetus to get in touch with the fan cast over this crappy situation. Check at Chicago Dimitri timeline. That's D-M-I-T-R-Y. Personally, I just hate discrimination in any form. And whilst many of our fans may be ignorant as to how and why this is not cool, surely they can see at the very least it gives the mainstream media a massive free shot to tarnish our whole club. Don't give them any excuse. You know they'll bite your hand off to bring up Paris, etc. Sure. Hate Tottenham. Who doesn't? Just express it in another way, like William's song. It's actually relevant and quite amusing to wind their supporters up over what happened with him. Even better, instead of joining in with anti-Semitic remarks, join in the amazing N'Golo Kante song to the theme of gold by Spandau Ballet. Pockets of Matthew Harding Lower get this going sometimes. Perhaps your support will really help it take off properly. Let's turn this shitty situation into something positive. And here he's written it out. It goes, N'Golo, oh, Kante will win you the ball. You've got the power to... I've started off wrongly. N'Golo, oh, Kante will win you the ball. You've got the power to know you're indestructible. Always believe in N'Golo, N'Golo, oh. Repeated, it said. Shall I repeat it? N'Golo, please. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Yeah, I could sing it in, in more of a of a um was it? Do Tony it in Hadley? opera style. Tony Hadley style. N'Golo, N'Golo, oh, Kante will win you the ball. No, I won't do that anyway. Um, nice. I really hope we don't hear that Maratta crap at the bridge tonight. He's better than that. We're better than that. Up the Chelsea, Mick Putney. Yeah. Brilliant yeah. email. Brilliant, brilliant email. Yeah, first and foremost, the second version wasn't Tony Hadley, it was more Jacob Reese Mogg, I'm afraid. Okay. Or as Panky CFC says, as Panky CFC says, uh, uh, Tony, Tony Kidley. Kidley, yes, Tony Kidley. Um, 
my, I think I just wanted to have a little mini rant about this because I, I think I've raised it before on a fan cast how, um, and I've kept my swearing down uh, tonight really, but I am sick to the back fucking teeth of us singing um, Tottenham songs in general. Okay, um, we are starting to look obsessed as a as a fan base, as a as a as a club, with a club that have never really laid a finger on us in years. Okay, forget the League Cup final all them years ago under Uncle Avram or whatever, but they have absolutely a fucking ruining liquidator. Right, I've said it before, and I know J.K. agrees with me this because I've actually stopped singing that now. So I just sit down through it because I will not stand up and go, "We hate Tottenham." Okay, he's made a point here. Hate Tottenham? Who doesn't? Yeah, I don't need you to tell me to stand up if I hate Tottenham. Okay, I don't need that. I got somebody thrown out of the ground many years ago because they were hissing, doing gas chamber noises when we played Spurs. I found it unbelievably offensive. Okay, unbelievably wrong. Okay, so yeah, whilst I get it, but when we keep singing these sort of stuff, when people come out with this, this stuff, it makes us no better than uh, I hated us singing "Murderers" at Liverpool. Okay, I thought that was completely and utterly insensitive. I'd never sing uh, the "Runway" song to Manchester United. Okay, but this Tottenham stuff is just beyond the pale. The Williams song, I'll take that because that's a, that's a pretty it's funny relevant. song. It's, it's relevant. It's relevant in the Williams. But we are actually sacrificing singing, supporting the team. Right, and chanting uh, uh, whatever to, to support our team in favour of slagging off opponents that we play twice a year, maybe three times a year, okay, that we all know we hate or whatever. And quite frankly, I don't give a fuck about Tottenham. I don't care what they do. I don't care what their manager does. I don't care what Harry fucking Kane does, okay? I don't really want to sing about them. What I want to do is, if you're going to sing Liquidator, is sing We Love Chelsea instead of We Hate Tottenham in it. If you're going to ruin it, okay, um, but I find this whole thing, so I actually, Mick from Putney, you're 100% right. It is offensive, it's stupid, it is lining the media up. And, 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 and I mean the media, I mean the printed press and the, and, and the broadcast media to slaughter us and make us, it, 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 it accentuates that whole Paris thing, which we know was just a bunch of absolute arseholes on a train, okay, whom none of us would want to be associated with, or none of the people I go to football with would want to be associated with. So my rant is, stop singing about fucking Tottenham, because I'm sick of it, and I'm pretty sure all of the fans around me hate it as well. Okay? okay. Sing well about said. Well yeah. said. Well not, said, Tony. Not, um, Jonathan, we've got, we've got loads of emails tonight, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to get... get, get no, no, no. I, want, <laughs> I wanted to hear that, but I just wanted to make sure that we didn't then have another half an hour debate about it, because we did it all last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Tony, Tony, well said. And actually, just, just, just to, to, to ex, 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 exacerbate your point, Tony, you know, Jonathan will remember this. Dr. Mark used to say the same thing on this show eight years ago. You know, he used to say, yeah. it really pisses me off. We're not playing Tottenham today. Why are we singing about them? You know, yeah, exactly. and I, I couldn't agree more. Um, JK, we've got a lovely email from Jamie Reese, which is kind of a, it's not like the usual emails we get, but I thought it was, it was well worth mentioning on the show. Maybe we can give him a bit of help getting this, uh, this idea he's got shifted. Absolutely. Uh, dear Chelsea Football Fancast, I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now, ever since university, and would like to thank you for the wonderful job you all do, be it during the highs of the Champions League victory or the disastrous season a few years back. Listening to the podcast always helped make me feel close to the club and part of something bigger as a Chelsea family, regardless of the results. My reason for emailing is that I would like to show my appreciation for the countless hours of entertainment you've given me in the form of a gift. Although, unfortunately, 
it isn't a beer. Oh. I have oh. recently, oh, exactly. I have recently become, begun selling designs where you pick a game you have a ticket from. It allows you to display it within a frame alongside stats from that game. This way you can show off those memories instead of having the ticket hidden away in a drawer somewhere. I will attach a link at the bottom so the idea is much clearer. However, I'd be honoured to create one for the podcast, or more specifically, for any individual from the fancast team. Pick a game, and if I can find reliable stats on it, usually from 92 onwards, I would love to create one for you. I wanted to do this for you guys, first to thank you for the work you put in every week, but also because that fan inside me wants to get the word out to Chelsea supporters as much as possible. The idea of also selling designs to fans of other teams will hurt, although thankfully Liverpool's glory was before lots of record books existed, and being from London, any man... And being from London... Any Man United designs will thankfully be local shipping. <laughs> if you'd like to take up this offer, then let me know what game you'd like the design to be based on. And if you have a preference of landscape or portrait to fit the ticket. If you're not in the need of one or simply wouldn't know where to put it, I completely understand and look forward to listening to many more seasons of the fancast. All the best and yours gratefully, Jamie Reese. Keep the blue flag flying high. And he's got a rather lovely picture of a frame with Chelsea versus Maribor. And then he's got uh, a little pennant and uh, all the, the team, the starting 11, and then some stats in the corner. And it's a very clever idea. Well done, Jamie. Really good idea. Because it absolutely it's marvellous. Especially if you're taking someone for the first time. You know, yeah. well, yeah. What, a, what a lovely memento that is, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think that we'll, we'll, we'll uh, Jamie, that's really sweet of you, and I'm sure we'll, we'll have a chat uh, perhaps when we next uh, congregate for a beer and, and decide uh, who, which one of us, or, or I, I hesitate to say all of us, because there's a lot of us, uh, would take you up on your kind offer. But I, what I would love to do, um, you know, and, and annoyingly I didn't, I forgot to put the link down on the script, but I'll, I'll dig it out and uh, I'll help promote it for you because it's a cracking idea. It looks lovely. I mean, you know, the one that springs to my mind, if I can bloody find the ticket in the hordes of plastic boxes that I've got all my, my stuff stored, is, of course, the Champions League final, the, the Munich game. You know, that's that's the thing to do it for, for in, in my book. Uh, but there are many other games too. And I think Tony's idea about, you know, for your first game, that's a great idea. But, mate, Jamie, I will I will do everything I can to help you promote this because I think it's a fabulous idea. So thanks for, for filling us in on that and, and offering offering us one as well, which is very sweet of you. I'm glad you enjoy the show. Um, there you go. Jonathan, next one. Yes. This is from Doug. And initially I thought it must be and it's not because he's put a rather nice... Um, way of, of, of expressing it, which is uh, Kegabean, which is, you know, fair enough. Uh, Doug Kegabean. Uh, hi, I love your podcast as well as the email stories of fans that you share. And I thought I'd share my Chelsea story since this month is my 20th anniversary of being a Chelsea fan. You see, I'm a Californian. And in September 1997, I was in London making a, making a commercial at a production house in Soho. On September the 8th, one of the account executives there asked what everyone wanted to do that night. I said, I'd love to see a European soccer match. I'd heard great things about them, wanting to see what all the hype was about. So later that afternoon, to my surprise, he showed up with tickets for a game against two teams I'd never heard of before, Chelsea and Slovan Bratislava. So that night, a co-worker and I went to the game at Stamford Bridge and I instantly became 
a Chelsea fan. Marvellous. On the way to the game, we kept on passing groups of people hanging out wearing blue and yellow. I asked the taxi driver what that was all about. He said those were pubs and Chelsea fans were getting hammered before the game because they weren't serving alcohol at the game because it was a European Cup game. I thought that was hilarious. When we got there, I thought I had great seats for the game, lower level right at the centre line. But once the game started, I realised the best seats were behind the goals. The fans there sang chants back and forth all game long. I couldn't understand a thing they were saying, but I wanted to sing along so badly. The atmosphere was the most amazing thing I've ever been a part of at any sporting event. And I've been to the World Series, NCAA Championship Games and even WrestleMania. But none of those came close to the fan engagement and enthusiasm that I saw and felt that night. And when Chelsea scored, the fans reacted like the Blues had just won the Super Bowl. I couldn't believe it. Everybody just lost their mind in celebration. It was great. In the end, Chelsea won the game 2-0, and I even got to see Di Matteo score. So that night, I became a Chelsea fan and told everyone that I bled blue. Over the years, my Chelsea life got better because in the early 2000s, more games became av available on TV in the United States and we could watch most of the games and really follow the team. Of course, it helped that Roman brought the, bought the team and got amazing players to follow, including my absolute favourite, Drogba. Since then, I've been able to take my family to International Champions Cup games in the United States versus AC Milan in LA, versus Barcelona in Washington, D.C., and versus Liverpool in L.A. But none of those games came close to the atmosphere and thrill that I experienced at the game in England. They were fun, and my family got to see Drogba, Lampard, and Hazard score goals, but I felt bad that I couldn't share the ultimate fan passion like being at a game in England. Well, that changed last month because I was lucky enough to take my wife to the Tottenham game at Wembley. We started the day at the Globe Pub on Baker Street, proudly wearing my Drogba and her William jerseys. She absolutely adores William. We then took the tube to Wembley Station for the long walk into the stadium. Along the way, we were cursed at and even had beer thrown at us, but we didn't care. We were there to wave the blue flag. I was blown away at how we were segregated in the away section from everybody else. It was like nothing experienced in any sporting event in America. And then we stood and chanted and screamed during the entire game, Chelsea, 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 Chelsea. I loved yelling, Tottenham support fucking sucks, because they did suck at supporting their team. Yes, I don't think that's a chant, is it, Chidge? I don't think. Anyway, um, well, I was, was thinking in my, in, my war, in my warped head, Jonathan, I was, I was thinking you could change that to Tottenham support sucking fucks. Yes, it was perfect, <laughs> perfect. Um, <laughs> It was, I wonder what tune we could uh, sing that to. Yeah, anyway. Um, it was hilarious. Here, actually, no, we're supposed to do less Tottenham song, songs, aren't we? Yankee it was Doodle hilarious. Dandy. Just don't yeah. pick the liquidator, otherwise Tony... Tottenham support off. fucking sucks. Do-da, do-da. <laughs> it was hilarious like hearing the drums being fed over the speakers, too. Completely lame. I love that. The entire game, I couldn't get the smile off my face. And then having Alonso score the winner in front of us, it was just amazing. I will never forget that game. Now, I'm still jealous that my wife didn't get to go to a game at Stamford Bridge to hear the liquidator as the team took the field or sing One Step Beyond at the end of the game. But I'm delighted that we both got to experience the game in the Chelsea away section behind the goal with the most passionate Chelsea fans in the world. It also means I need to schedule another trip to London when Chelsea's playing at home. I want to go now. 
So happy anniversary to me. It's been an amazing 20 years and I feel blessed that my family loves Chelsea too. My son has the scarf that I got at the game 20 years ago hanging above his bed in his college apartment. And my daughter has promised me that she will name her first child Chelsea. Oh dear, be careful with that. Now, if I can just get my wife, should call wanker. Now, if I can just get my wife to stop fant- <laughs> fantasizing about William. <laughs> Not Chelsea fans. <laughs> if I can oh, just Charles get my wife to stop fantasizing about William and focus more on me, my life will be complete. Quite right. Too much, too much information there, Doug. <laughs> um, thanks for letting me share, and I hope to meet you all for a pint or three in the near future. Chelsea till I die, Doug Kegabean. P.S. I think the Marcus Alonso chant should be to the Wham song. Wake me up, Marcus Alonso. You have hair just like George Michael. Wake me up, Marcus Alonso. Score with that left foot tonight. Score tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a... Oh, my God. There's a picture of them both. There's a picture of them both, and they're a very handsome couple. They are indeed. Lovely. And I've loved the fact that he's managed to get create a pocket in his Chelsea shirt where he's put his sunglasses, which is no mean feat. And uh, or um, he's old, Incidentally, old, Jonathan, old, I mean, yeah, Doug, yeah. Doug says he was first over here in 1997 and he was working, uh, making a commercial uh, post yeah. house in, uh, in, in Soho. I was working in Soho in 1997, working with commercials producers. And I know you would have been. So we, we could have all met Doug without realising it. Funny enough, I was just thinking, oh, God, has he named the commercial? Perhaps I did it. Perhaps I was involved. <laughs> there we go, yeah. It's a very small and, and weird just, world. Walk- you never know. Have you I just know. walked into a lovey's? Yeah, <laughs> we have, Tony. We have, haven't we? They're talking about us two getting a room, Alex, but blimey. I was at school, Tony, in 1990. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you were born then. <laughs> Let's send his wife a William wig for him to wear. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Or, or even just one of those wig. pictures, those flat pictures that he, uh, those masks that he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's do That's it. a good point because I mean, I, I, I hate, I hate, I hate, to, I hate to get a. I hate to get a big, a bit down and dirty on you, but the, the, I used to go to a hairdresser for a long time ago in Soho, who specialised in making. Is it a merkin? Does anybody know what a merkin is? Yes, yes, it's a yeah. pubic hair wig. Yeah. It's a yes. pubic hair wig for ladies' front bottoms, and uh, I'm just thinking that the male equivalent could be called a willy wig, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, William would love to be associated with it. Yeah, yes. or, or, or a smirking, a, sm- a smirking merkin. Yeah. <laughs> a smirking I'm likely merkin. to be. A... Oh, because that likely... sounds like Merkel. I now, I've just got a vision of her in one now. <laughs> I've always thought that about her, actually. What that she's got a willy. I agree. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that she's basically a Merkin, Angela Merkin. Yeah. I've always called her that. Yeah. I think we should uh, move on before this show yes. spontaneously combusts. It has already. Anyway, well done, Doug. That was great. And they're all great. They're yeah, all top great. email as always. And this it's the is first very time long, I've got JK. A, there's a picture, a picture there with it. I think we should encourage everybody to send a picture. So yeah. I've got an idea. I love we that. Need. I love that. But uh, great. Does, does it help you pick the voice? Well, another lovely thing about it is, is that also if you happen to see these two, you can go, oh, I know who they are. They're those two, you know. I thought it was going to be because you're method reading yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, funny enough, there was music. If he had music that he'd sent me, I would read it accordingly because then I'd get into the mood, you know. So it might be that we started off with um, 
Well, that changed last month because I was lucky enough to take my wife to the Tottenham game at Wembley. We started the day at the club pub on Baker Street, proudly wearing my Drogba and her William jerseys. They might have given it a different feel, you know. Yeah, like a Barry White feel. Yeah, no, 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 just a kind of sort of intimate um, sci-fi channel feel, really. Anyway, let's move on. It's a long one from Russell coming up, if you'll pardon the expression. Ooh, missus. Um, Russell Saunders. Dear Chidge and crew, I felt I needed to respond to an email read out two weeks ago from a member of the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club, Mr David Bishop. First, some background information. I confess to only listening a few times before this year, but having met people who contribute to your podcast around Sunderland and the Cup Final in May, Dan and Tony, I'll now make the time to listen through the week. It's hard for me to put two hours aside in one hit. I missed your you should visit, try and bloody Chidge. do it, Russell. You should try and bloody do it, mate. <laughs> no, we've got Jesus. no sympathy with you. You've only got to listen to it, mate. <laughs> you love it. You go, oh, I'm taking a week off. I need a week off. And then you're like, oh, but I crazy attention. <laughs> <laughs> you stand at the stall going, oh, I've had enough. I've fucking had enough. I'm having a week off. I'm going to the club. I'm getting smashed. Not doing it, and then there's it's the script, guys. I can't wait for everybody to be with me. Alex, that is a oh, fantastic dear. impression. Fantastic. It's as, so if, it's, it's as if Chidge was a small mouse, though. I know. Yeah. I love you, Chidge. I love you. Yeah, I used to love you. What's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? It's going to be the uh, the Alex and Tony show will suddenly be taking over. There'll be a. a, a a competitive podcast because you've been. There already is. It's called the Podding Shed. Yes, oh, it is. True. I need that's to true. get Alex back on there one day. We're, we're all going to London. Is Blue Pod? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. You'll miss me. You'll miss me. You can say Moving that now. On. Anyway, I'll be with you. Chichi, it'll still be me. I'll I be know. there. Carry your bag, sir. Good. Like um, the like the uh, the Eddie Large and Sid Little of the. Chelsea podcast fraternity. <laughs> anyway, yeah. poor Russell. Poor Russell. Yeah. Yeah, Russell. Sorry, Russell. No, Russell. Get back to the Russell. point. Russell Saunders. Russell, here we are. I missed your visit, Chidge, to Melbourne as I was working somewhere else in the country at the time. Oh, dear. God, he's trying to get away. I met Darren Mantle in Tokyo in 2012 when around 30 of us travelled from Adelaide, Melbourne and Sydney for the Club World Cup. I bought Ashes tickets off him through a mutual friend in 2010 as he couldn't travel. He missed a great series there, poor chap. Yeah, one of the best. I also heard both Tony and Dan on the OzPod. Oh, yeah. If ever a podcast needed a bleeper machine, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) He basically told us that we could swear as much as we liked. Yeah, but then it became became completely impossible to understand a word he was saying, though, didn't it, Tony, after that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) The show went on for hours and hours and hours. Um, But anyway, if ever a podcast needed a bleeper machine, that was it. But fair play to Luke, Hilario and Jason for putting in the time and effort, as with all of you, of course. Anyway, I'm secretary of the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club and have been since we began a paid membership scheme in mid-2013. While I appreciate David's comments, we have had an elected committee since 2013 and approximately 15 people have served as well in the five seasons. I feel it's only fair to recognise all involved. Daniel Thorne is the treasurer and he and I do, do shoulder the bulk of the work given our elected positions. For 2017-18, we have Lydia Payne as chair and four ex-officio members, Andy Bates, Dave Arculus, Adam Maritis, and lastly, Timmy Floyd. 
all contribute in their own way to make our club a success. The latter, Tim, has served since the start with Dan and I. We're a team of three English, one from Ireland, Wales, New Zealand and Australia. Our membership is far more diverse of nationalities here in Melbourne and a true reflection of the multicultural city that we all live in. Our membership has grown from 30 in 2013-14 to almost 150 for this season. It's helped by our gold affiliation with Chelsea, where we can ask for home match tickets with very good success. We had 11 members at the Everton match this season, which is our current record number in the three seasons of operating the ticket system. There's no doubt that the club has become bigger due to success on the pitch since Roman came along. My last match before migrating was the 2002 Cup final in Cardiff, so I've witnessed the majority of success from afar. A supporters club of some kind has existed in Melbourne since the 90s. A gentleman named called Dave Sutty used to do a newsletter called Chelsea Calling back then. I believe it was distributed around the country. After David Sutty, another David, David West, was responsible for meetings in Melbourne when viewings of Chelsea were on a VHS tape sent from friends or family from the UK. Obviously, the result was known before a group of supporters would meet to watch. David Sutty is still in Melbourne and a member of our club. Sadly, Dave West passed away in 2015, but he did get to meet one of his idols, Charlie Cook, here in Melbourne the year before he died. Live matches were few and far between, if at all, back in the 90s. And when I was here from 2002, there was a single match shown on a Saturday night, midnight or 2am, dependent on the time of year. It was just pot luck if the game was Chelsea. I tended to watch whoever was on just to get my fix of proper football. Mad for their Aussie rules in this part of the world. When pay TV got some broadcast rights, there was more chance of a match, but I didn't, uh, I didn't find fellow Chelsea fans until after the Carling Cup win in 2005. A former work colleague and mate of my older brother was Tim's cousin, a Man United fan, and via an email conversation, he told me to meet up with Tim at the pub where David West had set up the Chelsea supporters. The rest is history, as they say. As we went on to win the league that year, I was in that pub, the Charles Dickens, with only another 10 or so Chelsea. The match did start at 2.30am, but after the, the clinching of the league title that morning, a few of us carried on celebrating well into Sunday. It was a very sunny afternoon when myself and two others walked out of a bar at 3pm. Too many vodka Red Bulls to fight the tiredness, but well worth it. More Chelsea got to know each other since then, and as I was the only one bothered to organise things, I was kinder delegated to arrange things with pubs or curry houses. We started to get more things happening. Social media certainly helps us contact more fans. Our group started with mostly UK expats, but now we are well outnumbered by other expats from around the world and, of course, Australians. As numbers grew, we moved venue to a backpackers bar called The Fluid Oz, the scene of great nights for cup finals and league success in 2010, among other games during the league seasons. Chelsea matches became more and more frequent on TV and people would come to watch at the pub. Since 2012, we've used another venue, the Crafty Square in Melbourne CBD, a 24-hour bar that accommodates most of our matches. We had around 150 to 200 for the final in Munich. Yes, it was a hugely significant final, but for a 4.45 a.m. kickoff, that was pretty good. Similar numbers achieved for the FA Cup this year, apparently. A 2.30 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. I was in Wembley having a lovely day, ruined by 90 minutes of football. 
Sadly, we share our current pub with other teams, which can lead to some interesting banter. I've never quite got how the Aussies can sit together but be supporting opposite sides in most of their sporting codes. I can't do that with Chelsea. Fortunately, we've had a run of British managers who know how some of us UK expats can get towards opposition fans. Security staff can be a bit naive at times, though, but that is everywhere in Australia. Since the late noughties, we started to get in touch with supporters from around the country, mostly through social media again, as visitors to any city were seeking places to watch with fellow Chelsea fans. But there were also established connections between cities where people had just moved for work or family reasons. In 2011, we began having nationals. We chose a city and a specific match towards the end of the season, then asked people to travel for that weekend. Melbourne was first to host, and unfortunately, the TV bumped our match to the late Saturday. So, 2.30am Sunday. That impacted on the local turnout and also some interstate travellers who'd flown in early the Saturday morning and had not bothered to pace their drinking. <laughs> we beat West Ham in the match, so the event finished well. The Nationals have continued. They've always been funny stories to tell after each one. The last two have been without a match to watch as a Monday night, Tuesday 5am here was the result of TV interference. But those two have probably been the best we've had socially. Part of the reason of my email now is the hope that you read it on the Monday after the Arsenal match. We are indeed doing that. We chose to go with early season for our eighth national to avoid TV hindrance. And also, as a lot of us would be going to Perth next July. So some of us are travelling to Sydney for the Stoke match at midnight next weekend. The Palace Hotel hosting an afternoon function from 1pm there as well as the match. The Perth match will probably be ordinary next year, like Sydney was in 2015. But the pub before and travel out to the stadium on the train was just an experience akin to a pub in SW6 and a tube full of Chelsea. Apologies for a long email. I didn't intend to write so much when I started. I hope it's been interesting for some of your listeners from around the world. I personally have enjoyed hearing other stories, emails from places far from Stamford Bridge. Here's to another sleep-deprived, successful season. We get up and watch at all hours here, as do many around the world. Finally, can I say, get well soon, canners. Paul has been to Melbourne twice, and we've loved having him here. He knows it's the best city in the country. Smiley face. Keep the blue flag flying high. Regards, Russell Saunders. P.S. I get the tag of Mr. Grumpy over here. Totally unfounded, I wanted to say for the record. Another smiley face. PPS, I've attached a copy of our newsletter for you. We do every two months throughout the season. Dan Thorne puts it all together. Wow. Wow is not epic. the word. <clears throat> epic, yeah. epic is the word. I, 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 I um, actually remember, Russ, uh, at the last game of the season, Chidge, and I don't know if you recall, uh, he was the guy that bought the biggest pizza and had it delivered and was handing it out to us outside the pub. Um, because most of I us do. have forgotten about the tweets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I that do. was Russ. Pretty sure that yeah. was Russ. He was a lovely bloke. I had a good chat with yeah. him as I met so many people from, you know, um, from, from supporters clubs all around the world that day. You know, it was a great day. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely catching up with those guys. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I love the ganks that we've got to meet, but I've got a particular soft spot for the Aussies. Uh, you know, largely because uh, I'm a big cricket fan, so I can guarantee that the banter is usually quite fun. But it's also a country I love, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm gutted I never saw you, Russ, at the moment. In fact, I'm gutted I never saw most of the people from the Melbourne supporters 
uh, club uh, when I went to Melbourne because I was basically an idiot and I screwed up the date royally. And uh, and then I did meet um, meet up with uh, Bobby D, Bobby Delcini, who I'd met before when he'd come over here, and we, you know, he kind of kidnapped me, and we went off and got pissed somewhere else. So it's a, it's a real regret that I didn't get to meet uh, too many of them. But and there's always another time. And anyway, you can come and see us, which is what you do, uh, guys. We've really got to go because we've outstayed our welcome mahusively. Um, but uh, as always, thanks to Jonathan for reading them out. Um, good work, J.K. As always. Thank you. And very enjoyable. Good good mails, as always. Really very good. They were nice. indeed, weren't they? Now, uh, we do, as you know, we, we love receiving these emails, and we'll always try and read them out uh, on the show. So, of course, send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com uh, before a Monday, please. Otherwise, they don't make the cut. Uh, right, that's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget to download the Kerry Dixon Show on Thursday when Kerry and I will be looking back at the Arsenal and the Forest matches and we'll be previewing the match against Stoke coming up this Saturday. Uh, we will be back as a Chelsea fancast on Monday next week at 7 o'clock in the evening. And I'll be joined by, as always, Jonathan, uh, the lovely Clayton Beerman and the equally lovely Gion Carbis. He uh, of the Chelsea webcast, uh, Chelsea webcast, Chelsea fancast webmeister, as he is now. Now, do not forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea fancast. Me at Stamford Chidge. Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Tony at Gross Jack UK, and the lovely, wonderful Alexandra Churchill, the girl who likes balls, can be found at CFC GWLB. And of course, don't forget to check out our website, ChelseaFanCast.com. I mean, now Leon Achion is involved. Uh, there is so much stuff going up. I mean, we're putting up, you know, several blogs a day, which is like we've never done that before. Uh, and Heon understands where I'm coming from, so they'll all be very Chelsea fancast-minded. So check it out. Uh, and, of course, thanks to all of the people who contribute, including a blue up north, at Clitheroe Blue, who has been sending me previews and reviews of matches this week, and they're great. Alex, of course, sticks her girl who likes ball stuff up there too. So check them all out. we got to go because we're way over time. But first and foremost, I'd like to say a massive thanks to the lovely Tony Glover. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Chidge, and a, and a laugh, and uh, it's just good Always. to be back in the swing of things now. Yeah, lovely. It is indeed. Look, look forward to seeing you for a beer in the cock. Sometime oh, you soon. will indeed. You will indeed. Alex, lovely to lovely to have you on the show as always, my love. And uh, love you and I you. need to go and have a we, we need to have a gin a depraved gin session soon, don't we? We oh. do, but you also need to acknowledge how fucking well behaved me and Glover have been tonight. <laughs> we yeah. have, yes. Yeah. You, you, Can I say you I'm so- disappointed? I'm actually disappointed. I thought it was going to go much further than this. So. Yeah, well, you, you have to do these They'd things. They've been very, very well behaved. Okay. Yeah. We love having you two on the show together. You're great fun. And uh, as for Mr. Kidd, who's been superlative tonight, as always, Jonathan, lovely to have you on the show, and uh, I'll catch Fantastic. up with you next can, week, mate. Can I make up for a little bit for Tony and uh, Alex by, by saying bollocks? <laughs> yeah. okay. okay. Never mind the bollocks, here's Jonathan Kidd. Right, we got to go, guys. Uh, but most of all, a massive thank you to all the wonderful people who were listening in Mixler. Loads of you in there tonight. Always lovely to see you and your names come up on the screen and hopefully see you for a beer soon sometime at a game or whatever. Now, thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. 
perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.